This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. Lots to talk about, as always, here tonight. And there was something that I stumbled across after the show last night that I thought would have been perfect for yesterday, because of the whole Veterans Day thing. Although, I guess yesterday wasn't Veterans Day, it was just the day it was being celebrated. Anyway, minor point. Uh, apparently, uh, Lawrence Vance over at LewRockwell.com has done a, uh, a fine little article about military service and sort of the a lot of the misconceptions that Americans have in regards to it. Of course, would love to hear your thoughts uh, as maybe if you're a military veteran or just somebody else with an interest on this. 800-259-9231. But he points out that... Uh, he points out that uh, he thinks we have too many veterans, too many living veterans, too many dead veterans, too many wounded veterans, and too many disabled veterans. We have too many veterans who have fought in wars and too many veterans who have never fired a shot. Any way we look at it, you have too many veterans. Veterans Day began as Armistice Day, a day to commemorate the signing of the Armistice on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month that ended the fighting on the Western Front in World War I, a war to end all wars. A few years after World War II, the holiday was changed to Veterans Day as a tribute to all soldiers who fought for their country. Veterans Day has now become a day to honor, not just those who have served in the military during wartime, but those who have served during peacetime or are serving now. It's also become a day, even though we have Armed Forces Day, to recognize all things military. Why, says Lawrence, why do most Americans hold veterans and current members of the U.S. military in such high esteem? Why is there such a military mindset in the United States? Well, one reason people feel this way is because they falsely believe that those who serve in the military are somehow defending our freedoms. We've certainly heard that many a time on this show. Well, yes. I mean, I, this, the, the line of reasoning, and I hope they pull this out, um, it, it scares me a little bit. Uh, on, on Veterans Day, I, I think that uh, it's, it's a good day to discuss um, things like you know, the, the sacrifices the people made, whether they made them for the reasons that we like or made them for reasons that they um, that we don't, you know, it doesn't change the fact that it is, in fact, a sacrifice. Um, they, they sacrifice a great deal, even if it's a crappy war. Well, uh, OK. And your point about the sacrifice is what? Well, I just don't want it. I don't want it to seem like, um, you know, it, it, it's 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 kind of turning that it, it seems like this article is going in that direction that, um, you know, We've just got too many veterans, and I, I don't know. That's uh, that's kind of how it's making me feel right now. Well, it's going down the line of, I think, that we've got too many veterans. Well, it could be because we're having too many wars where in too many countries at the same time, which is one of the reasons we have so many veterans, and we're continuing to build up more and more over time, so... I'm interested to see where the article is going. Me, me too, and I think well, that nobody wants peace like a soldier wants peace, um, but, you know... I, at the same time, I don't want to disparage uh, people that have sacrificed. Well, sacrifice isn't necessarily an honorable thing. Let's move on. He says they are convinced that it's the military that stands between a free society and subjugation by some foreign power. They think that it's because of the military that we still have our First Amendment rights. It is inevitable that whenever I write about the military, I receive an email or two from a current or former member of the military who closes his rebuke, which usually argues that I have the freedom to write the trash that I write because of the U.S. military, with this simplistic cliché. If you can read this email, thank a teacher. If you can read it in English, thank a Marine. 
Has anyone ever thought this through? Are we supposed to believe that the German army that couldn't cross the English Channel to invade, uh, to invade Great Britain and make its population speak German was somehow going to cross the Atlantic Ocean to invade the United States and make us all speak German if it weren't for the Marines? Or was it Japanese that the Marines kept us from speaking? Or perhaps it was Spanish because of the tremendous threat we faced from Spain during the Spanish-American War. Were we in danger of having to speak Russian during the Cold War? Look at the history of U.S. military interventions. There's one thing that we can thank the Marines for. We can thank the Marines for helping to carry out an evil, interventionist U.S. foreign policy. Thanks a lot, jarheads. Semper Fi and all that jazz. Our freedoms, our liberties, and our Constitution that all Marines swear to uphold are under attack by our government. The state is a greater enemy than any foreign country or ruler. If the Marines are to really defend our freedoms, then they should be deployed to Washington, D.C. after they oversee the closure of most federal agencies and expel the bureaucrats from the city, they can protect the Constitution with fixed bayonets from its daily assault by the members of Congress. In that case... I'm sure many Marines would like to do just that. Well, those aren't their orders, though. No, no, I mean, you know, the, the, the Marines, the military works for the government. Right. And, of course, they've sworn to uphold the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic, but they don't really uphold their oath at any point, because otherwise they would be doing what he's suggesting. Well, um, you know, the, the, the Constitution does say that there's, you know, basically that it alludes to the idea that sh- there should be no standing army and that the founding fathers were, you know, uh, they didn't like the idea of a standing army. They liked the idea of uh, the people in America protecting themselves in the form of militias. And it's uh, upholding the Constitution as in uh, however you interpret it. One person's interpretation of the Constitution, a lot of them think they're upholding the Constitution. That's a good point. in reality, they're not. Well, and again, that is the problem with the Constitution is that it's, you know, it's subject to interpretation, which means it's taken in many cases in ways that originally probably wasn't intended by the Founding Fathers. And, of course, uh, the Supreme Court, just as an aside, is now going to be, uh, rumor has it at least, they're going to be looking at the Second Amendment coming soon. Yes, they are. Could be dangerous. Anyway, he says, in that case, I would even say it with you. The few, the proud, and the Marines. Another reason the military is held in such high esteem is that most Americans wrongfully assume that the military is actually engaged in defending the country. They don't know about the hundreds of U.S. military bases on foreign soil. They don't realize that there are thousands of U.S. troops... Like 700 military bases on foreign soil. Yeah. Uh, They don't realize there are thousands of U.S. troops stationed abroad to defend other countries. And they have no idea that the United States has troops in over 150 different, or excuse me, in 150 different regions of the world. Instead, they think that it's because of the military fighting terrorists over there that we don't have to fight them over here. The threat of a conquest of America by foreign invasion is non-existent. And if we were attacked with nuclear weapons, even the Marines would be helpless to defend us. Although the purpose of the U.S. military should only be to defend the United States from genuine attacks and credible enemies... It has primarily been used to intervene in the affairs of other countries. When all of the troops come home and start guarding our borders and patrolling our coasts, then and only then can we say the military is actually defending the country. Even the Coast Guard, which actually patrols our coasts, is tainted, thanks to another unconstitutional, unwinnable war that the government is is engaged in that is more destructive than the enemy we're fighting, the war on drugs. Still another reason for the military mindset in this country is that members of the military are viewed as public servants. Members of Congress like to brag about how they've been in public service their whole life. Some policemen and firemen have jumped on the public service bandwagon as well. But if you want to be a policeman or fireman, fine. Just don't expect us to get excited about the fact that you have a job. 
and plenty of jobs are just as dangerous. Veterans are looked upon as special because they served in the military. It didn't take any special education, experience, or accomplishments to land a job in the military. They just signed on the dotted line. We don't dis- uh, dispose. Uh, you know, maybe it didn't take any special accomplishments to get the job, but I think that in the job they they made a lot of sacrifices. They made those sacrifices, you know, not only for their comrades in arms, but uh, they made those sacrifices for their country. I I would dispute that um, a great deal of the wars that we fought were, in fact, for defending freedom. Um, you know, the certainly the last war that we fought on American soil was the Mexican-American War. Perhaps one can make an argument for the Pacific theater of the World War II, but I would also make the argument that World War II would have looked entirely different if it hadn't been for our intervention in World War I. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, I mean, I don't know. I... I, I don't want to take too hard of a line against veterans. I mean, these, so you think there's something valuable about sacrifice? I um, think that if you sacrificed for something, even if I consider it to be in vain, that I'm not going to uh, crap on your sacrifice. What if what if your sacrifice was uh, completely useless? I, you know, I'm I'm not going to say that you're as most sacrifices I'm, are. Well, I think if you believe in it, that's what's really matter. If you and the people around you are the ones that believe in it, your sacrifice means something. It's it's if you don't believe in it and the people around you don't believe in it that it means nothing. Would you so, say that Lauren Canario's sacrifice of being in jail, uh, um, you know, for the uh, I think it was a month, um, you know, just and she just got out a couple of weeks ago uh, because she didn't believe in the uh, the the idea of carrying around papers, would you say that that sacrifice was in vain and worthless? I, think, I don't know. I think the majority of the public out there would say, yes, it is. I well, think they would, yeah. Would, would you put Lauren's sacrifice above or below the sacri- so-called sacrifice of the soldier? Oh, this is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free, including the bulletin board system with over 300,000 posts. Lots of stuff to talk about, serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com, bbs.freetalklive.com. And your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does that bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their curb mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com. For the sleep you've been dreaming of, that's SavvyRest.com. We had a few technical difficulties there uh, as we went out to the last break, but uh, we were in the middle of talking about you know, the idea that uh, you were sort of salivating uh, over the, the idea, Mark, that uh, the military members have sacrificed something for the country. Uh, and that they deserve to be respected for making that sacrifice, even though it could be argued that their sacrifice actually didn't do anything for our freedoms and really just, I don't know, resulted in them losing their lives and limbs for the whims of politicians in Washington, D.C. I don't think that's it at all. Um, what I'm saying is that those people made a sacrifice, and they feel that sacrifice every day, whether it's in a small way from uh, you know having the memories of... Uh, being in the military or in a large way from losing oh a few limbs mm-hmm. um, or you know the loss of, uh, of brothers in arms and and that kind of thing and to to speak to someone in the manner that you think that their uh, sacrifice is of no value is of no value 
um, that it does nothing. It like you're you're going all you're going to do is hurt them, upset them, mm-hmm. and you're not going to get them to um, to listen to your side of the argument as it is. I mean, it's easy for us to sit here uh, having never you know been in the circumstances where we signed up for the military um you know i consider signing up for the military in a large part a mistake uh for people and sure. i've made plenty of mistakes in my own life but i'm not you know i just don't think it's a lot of value to point it out in a harsh manner yeah, yeah. i think that it's important to look at things from other people's perspectives in this one the majority of the people believe that signing up for the military is fighting for freedom and is fighting for what America stands for. The majority of people haven't heard of the Free State Project or Liberty or haven't even heard the message. So it's almost unfair to demonize them for making a choice that we might see as wrong or not necessarily fighting for freedom when they've never seen it from our perspective at all. So I don't know. I can can sympathize with them. Right. It's not the way to walk into that conversation. (laughs) Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I agree that you should certainly be tactful. Um, but at the same time, I like where Mr. Vance is, is coming from here in that he is uh, busting apart the false concepts that so many Americans have about the military. I understand that it you know, may uh, appear to be pretty harsh, and, and it certainly is, but this isn't a, you know, I'm, I'm not here to persuade people on this show. We're here to talk about the real issues, and, and the issue is with the military that it's just not all it's cracked up to be. Um, so, and I think a lot of soldiers would tell you that. I, I know. We've had them on the show to tell us that before. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of soldiers would agree with uh, Lawrence Vance in this case. And uh, many others won't. So there. Anyway, he's pointing out that uh, it doesn't take any special education to get a job in the military. They just signed on the dotted line. We don't dis- uh, bestow any special honors on bricklayers, mechanics, and accountants. Yet we see plenty of bumper stickers that say things like, My son is in the Air Force. We never see, My son is a plumber, or My son is a garbage collector, or My son is a waiter. And why not? Well, because uh, the reason is, is because um, they are... You know, from you know, from a PR standpoint, we've been told that they are defending freedom. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody did fight, that's a lie. If somebody did fight to defend freedom, wouldn't you respect them for that? Sure. Okay. Then, from their point of view, likely, um, if they've you know never heard the, these points of view that in fact uh, you know most of the wars were uh, empire building on mm-hmm. the part of our government, and you know, if they'd never heard those point of views, the coming in, coming in and saying you sacrificing for freedom is of no value is it's just a bad way to step into it. Yeah, I don't think anybody said that. Uh, he says, well, the people in those occupations don't drop bombs on anyone. They serve some important needs of society. Shouldn't we honor them as at least as much as soldiers? It's unfortunate that some of the most vocal defenders of today's military are Christians. It's even worse that churches fawn over current and former members of the military on Veterans Day. In response to my one of my recent articles, Should Anyone Join the Military?, I was chase, uh, chastised by two detractors. The first asked if I could read the Old Testament and still say that no one should serve in the military. I was told that God instructed the Jews and others to destroy people. It's not hard for me to read the Old Testament and still say that no one should serve in the military. America isn't Israel, and the U.S. military is not God's army. And telling me that God instructed the Jews and others to destroy people is like telling George Bush that he's the decider. There's no denying that God instructed the Jews and others to destroy people, but George Bush is not God, and America is not the nation of Israel, and God didn't command the United States military to kill anybody. 
My other detractor appealed to Alphonsus Liguri and maintained that as the sword maker has no control over the product, so the soldier does not commit an actual sin unless he chooses to break a moral law while in the military. It is, quote, the leaders or military officers who sin when they issue immoral orders. See, so if you it's, get an immoral order and follow it, then you haven't sinned. It's the uh, your commanding officer that has sinned, according mil- to this guy. The Milgram experiments all coming back where they did the guys with the electric- electricity zapping, and mm-hmm. uh, the uh, 50% of people went all the way through and zapped the guy to the end. It's this whole dichotomy of, I'm not the one in charge, someone else is telling it. It's the authority complex. Military service is morally neutral, he claims. But what kind of morality is this? It certainly isn't Christian. What kind of morality says that it would be okay to kill someone in an unjust war in his own country who was no threat to you or your country because you're wearing a military uniform? Oh, I forgot. Just don't break a moral law while you're killing him. He says it's high time that Americans stop elevating members of the military to a position of honor. It's long past the time when veterans have done anything honorable. We should abolish Veterans Day, and because of our shameful foreign policy and militarism during the 20th century, we should abolish any arm- any Armistice Day celebration as well. 800-259-9231 would love to hear from military members, both foreign or not foreign, but uh, both former and current, uh, in regards to your thoughts on that uh, that opinion piece. I don't see any wrong with it. anything wrong with any foreign military people call again to talk oh, about yeah, sure. their, you know. They can call too. 800-259-9231. Uh, did you guys have any more comments before we continue with the phone calls? No. Let's go and talk then to Chris in Indianapolis. You're on Free Talk Live. Chris. Chris. Hello. hello you're on the air. What's on your mind? Um, I was going to talk about the uh, FAA. Please. Go ahead. Um, I... Uh I heard. I was like a few weeks ago. I I think it was a few weeks ago that uh, you were talking about them and uh, the whole flying cars thing. And um, I don't know. Like that, you said. I think what the that the license doesn't um, make make things safer. The driver's uh, license, yeah, it certainly does well, not. No, make no, things no. Safer. Like pilot's license. I don't think anybody commented on a, on a pilot uh, pilot's license. Well, I mean that's what the FAA issues. Okay. Well, anyway, I, it's it's not the the license that makes uh, that makes you safer. It's the training that they make you get before you get the license. Mm-hmm. And I don't like honestly if if there were if there were no FAA, then I could literally hop in a plane, fly over fly over your house. But would you? Uh, you know, without like, knowing how to fly a plane, you just get in one and go for it. I mean, I, I, I'd get some training personally. Couldn't you buy a uh, front end loader and uh, you know, which is a very dangerous item, and uh, drive that without a license? <laughs> Let's talk more about this. Hang on, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. What if there were no FAA? Would we have planes crashing into everybody's houses at random points throughout the day? Uh, we'll find out moments away. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. It's a place to go. The feature's for free. Shrine a female listeners there with dozens of ladies who've sent us, uh, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. Shrine.freetalklive.com. 
Perhaps you may own or know someone who has a company that is struggling to collect money from owed from past due accounts. Delinquent accounts are problematic not only from the standpoint of diminished revenues, but businesses find themselves sidetracked with the arduous task of trying to collect these accounts. Consequently, valuable time and resources are pulled away from principal operations. SACL CAI liberates businesses from inefficiencies and the vexing task of collections. SACL CAI. See their banner at freetalklive.com. So is the FAA the agency responsible from uh, responsible for keeping us all safe and sound in our homes at night and preventing uh, madmen with planes from crashing into our abodes? Let's go back to Chris in Indianapolis. Uh, that was uh, sort of the beginning of the discussion. Uh, yeah. Chris, you were suggesting that because the FAA has this licensing process, you know, you have to go through whatever, a thousand hours of training or whatever the number is before you can actually get your hands on a license to take a plane up in the air. Um, and Mark, you would... You were asking some questions about a front-end loader or something like that. Can you re-ask that, and we can get back into the Well, um, the, the, the concept, uh, and, and I'm not saying that I'm against the FAA, uh, the concept that, the, uh, that, that people could jump into a plane and uh, just fly away without a license, um, it, it does sound difficult in some cases, by the way. Um, we, you know, how many people are jumping into front-end loaders? Uh, oh, I, I have trained? a license. Uh, yep, yeah, go ahead. I have a license. Okay. <laughs> I could, I could, if the FAA didn't exist right now, I could literally fly a plane over your house in New Hampshire and drop, like, water balloons. You know what I mean? I, and the reason why I don't do that is because I would lose my license. And How would anyway, that? Go on. Okay. I don't know a lot about flying, but if you have a license right now, what would stop you from dropping water balloons on someone's house? Yeah, because then you'd just report me to the FAA and I would lose my license. How would I see I'd... you? It's dark out right now. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, if it's dark out, but... Okay. I mean, can you not fly around? You don't have to report your flight plan if you're flying within a certain... Uh, there are certain rules, yeah, like you yeah, do have to report yeah. flight plans for some things, but not always, yeah, you, right? You have to have flight plans for anything that's IFR, which is instrument flight rated. And everything below that's visual, which means uh, you can't fly in the clouds and stuff like that. You, you're not allowed to fly on instruments. But let's say for a second that, in fact, you, um, I, I have binoculars out, and I happen right. to be standing outside, right. while, um, and it's daytime, while you're uh, dropping water balloons uh, right. on, on my house. Um, right. Besides being uh, simply an irritant, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know, a, a water balloon, maybe it'll reach 200 yeah, it, miles an hour. Um, yeah, it but, could Go ahead, what? That could kill you, but yeah. It could, maybe. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm not willing to say one way or the other whether a water balloon can kill you um, from being dropped out of a plane. Mm-hmm. But if right. there are damages to uh, my house or me, um, in the same way that if you were dropping rocks, let's say that that makes things a lot easier. If you were dropping yeah. rocks, um, certainly you're going to dent my uh, metal roof or uh, you know drop one on my uh, my dog in the backyard or something like that. Right. Um, maybe I won't be able to report to the FAA. But I can get you know whatever you know whatever uh, identification off the plane there is, and then um, you know find out who you are in that manner, and then presuming there's sue identification. The crap out of you. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, with the FAA there, any if, if that were to happen, uh, people would know about it, and it, you could find that like rogue pilot, okay? But uh, if there were no FAA, then there's like there's nothing. I mean, I could fly over houses like treetop level, and there would believe me, there would be people that do it, and. Um, 
Well, that might not be allowed at the airport you're at. We have no idea what would spring up in absence of the FD, FAA. There might be airports would have certain regulations where if you want to land on us, well, you need to follow the guidelines by blah, blah, blah agency or whatever whatever yeah. it is, Over, private organization. That's, that's a great point, up. Toby. I mean, we don't really know, and I, I wish I could comment more on this, but I don't have any experience in the world of flight. Uh, I know that there are, some of, uh, there are some of our listeners that are pilots, so maybe they could uh, sort of weigh in here and comment on what sort of market mechanism might spring up to well, here's, protect here's, people in these the cases. The problem with that, honestly, is that I, I'm pretty much of, of a no-government mindset, but I really get caught up on some things, and the FAA is one of them. And, I mean, it, it like, anarchy on the ground, okay, you know, people, everybody knows about that, but when you got people in the skies who can just, you know, hop in, you know, they just buy a plane and fly it, you know, they will be dangerous, but... I would agree with you uh, that they're dangerous. Like the, let's let's go um, on this uh, a thought experiment here, um, if we if right. we could. Let's say that uh, numbers on vehicles are important for the purpose of if that vehicle is used in a crime, in the commission of a crime, that uh, the finding of that vehicle and, and therefore the pilot, uh, the person, you know, the, the director of that vehicle is yeah. important. Let's say that um, instead of the government issuing numbers, that some private agency somewhere would pop Insurance up. Insurance company. In, in, in lieu of the FAA um, that would, uh, you know, put numbers and, and put, you know, decide whether those numbers were big enough. If you're going to be insured, you've got to have numbers. Right. That makes, that makes a certain amount of sense. Um, now, of course, the government, uh, nobody stops somebody who's in an unmarked plane right now from jumping in that unmarked plane and flying around. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know... They I, there's could, a chance they could scramble some jet fighters to take them out of the sky, but it doesn't seem very likely. Right. So, I mean, the FAA isn't stopping that particularly. Um, and unless well, you go fly uh, near the White House, you probably are going to be okay. Honestly, on, on, on 9-11, uh, the FAA actually did do a good job. Okay. There, there wasn't a plane in the sky. So not discussing, not discussing the, uh, the FAA and on 9-11 or anything well, they, like that. Well, they told the planes to not... Go take to the skies. I mean, the, yeah, the airports were under instruction to not allow planes to take off. Yeah, well, I mean, there was no planes in the sky, period. I mean, they, they actually did do a good job because they, you know, they cleared out everything. I so, guess. I mean, if you want to consider giving an order a good job, okay. Well, it's just it's the structure, the, the, the fact that there wasn't a single pilot insane enough to hop in a plane and fly around because they would have shot you down. But uh, I... The private sector, the only way that the large airports like Chicago, New York, and L.A., they all have a Class B airspace, which is big, it's huge. I think that they, as, as little money as they have right now anyway, I think that they could possibly work like the you had an air traffic controller call. And those guys, you know, they, they, they pay them quite a bit because, you know, that, that kind of work can drive you crazy. But, mm-hmm. like, they got to, you got to have air traffic controllers. If you don't, literally, planes will be colliding. Right, and what yeah. kind of an insurance company is going to be insuring people if they don't have traffic controllers? I don't right. think it's the well, FF- that's FAA I mean, that's keeping us all safe. Would have, somebody would have to pay for those air traffic controllers to be right. there. The sure airports would. would. The airports but who would. Pays, who, you know, who, nobody, I mean, what do you got to pay every time you land well, you, kind yeah. of thing? Because it, are you that, using a service? Are you using a service from that airport? Well, here's the thing. Like, like you you guys have an airport near you everybody has an airport near them mm-hmm. there's some some are really big like the major cities but most are not and i mean who 
See, pilot. I think you're concerning yourself with far too much here. You don't run an airport, so you don't know all the different ways to monetize running an airport. Certainly, if an airport is something that's in demand by people who like to fly their planes around, uh, the airport will charge whatever is necessary in order to keep their business running and come up with innovative ways to uh, to continue to, to keep their business running. So, I mean, you sound very frustrated trying to figure out ways that these airports would possibly stay in business. Right now, many of those airports are subsidized by the government, but once again, Again, if there really is truly a demand for air travel, then the marketplace will provide uh, for that. So I'm not really too. I don't, I don't really know what your real issue is here. Well, honestly, I don't. I don't think the marketplace can provide for such a thing. For, I mean, for what? no one wants to fly. Then is what you're saying, right? No, no, one... no. no. P- people are going to want to fly until planes start smashing into each other because nobody's willing to foot the bill for these air traffic controllers. But that's and the thing: not, is not the planes the will smash into each other right away without air traffic controllers. Yeah, and so therefore, you'd be crazy to start an airport traffic. which would allow people to take off from that airport if you didn't have air traffic controllers. I mean, that just it just simply wouldn't work in the case of certainly the large airports. Maybe the small ones could get away with it. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't see this as being an, a, a, a scary situation. Air traffic controllers, at all. I don't see as a problem. I can. I right. can see um, people fall. You know, untrained people getting into airplanes as certainly more of an issue than I can see air traffic controllers because they they would spring up and an entirely free. Chris, market. thanks for the call. Thanks for the concerns. Appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. There's really nothing stopping an untrained person from climbing into an aircraft tonight starting up the engine and attempting to fly it off of the runway. Whether they'll make it off of the runway is another question, because, I don't know, is it that easy to fly planes? It can't be that easy. It does require a lot of time and training, so good luck to someone who wants to try that. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com where the features are free. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. It is that simple. You've got to do the shopping anyway, so you might as well start it at amazon.freetalklive.com. Great deals, great super, uh, super saver shipping deals as well, free on most uh, many of their items. So amazon.freetalklive.com. Hey, are you having trouble getting the restful sleep your body desperately needs? Before you reach for addictive pills, try the Sleep Generator. It's a CD that uses scientifically engineered audio frequencies that interact with the human brain in such a way that it almost forces quick, safe, and non-addictive sleep. So if you're really having trouble falling asleep, go to highspeedsleep.com. Remember, for deep, restful sleep, it's highspeedsleep.com. So we were talking a few moments ago with Chris and Indy about, you know, this doomsday situation where the FAA goes away. You know, let's say where Ron Paul gets elected and he's slashing bureaucracies and he decides to slash the FAA. Mm -hmm. And uh, would that mean that all of a sudden planes will start falling out of the sky and that random uh, people will just be able to go buy airplanes and... You know, get them off the ground and crash them into your house or drop stuff on your homes. I mean, will it be true chaos in the skies? Well, in the case of Ron Paul getting elected, um, if he were to get rid of the FAA, then um, I thought we were talking about a completely marketplace, no government scenario. Um, And in the case of Ron Paul, states could handle the idea of an FAA and, and licensing of pilots just as easily as they handle the licensing of drivers. And, I mean, people drive across state lines every single day. Somehow we don't have a you know, huge disparity in that, that issue. Well, we weren't talking about that situation, but you are correct on that point, Mark. 
Uh, we were just talking about getting rid of the FAA and what would happen if there were no government agencies regulating flight. And uh, we're going to go into the phone calls here. But, Toby, you were telling me during the break that at one point when you were young, you took a little uh, plane flight. Yeah, right? we have a small airport around here. It's a pretty small. You'll be there all day and only see a few different planes take off normally. But um, my uncle brought me up, and we flew around all, um, all over the place, all over Keene, the surrounding area. He put me in the uh co-pilot seat and let, gave me control of the airplane and we flew all over the place without a flight plan or anything so when when you say we flew you flew well, yeah i had complete controls of the airplane and he let me right. fly how wherever. old were you uh probably seven or eight so this is kind of like when uh i was maybe five or six and my dad would put me on his lap and he would uh handle the pedals of the cutlass right. and i would steer right. it and but even more so you handled all the controls at the same time he he was sitting there what smoking a cigar or something he's just hanging out once you're in the air it's pretty basic yeah. especially Still, it's a small airplane it was it, a four-person airplane and it's real small but we didn't have a flight plan and still sounds like illegal activity to me mark letting oh, a sure uh, seven-year-old fly a plane but I'm the sure ffa didn't is. catch us apparently they're not that slick yeah they weren't paying attention that day <laughs> let's uh, go to the phones and talk to troy in canada troy you're on free talk live hello troy troy going once heard someone there troy going twice let's go to gene the christian anarchist in tennessee gene you're on the amplifier line hello Anarchy in the skies. I like it. <laughs> I'm a I'm a private pilot. So I have a land a single engine land and sea rating. I haven't flown in 14 years, but uh, you don't forget that, and it's really not that difficult. That's why every so often, every few, every couple of years, you'll hear a story about a you know a 12 year old kid who sneaks into the airport and takes off in somebody's plane and flies around and lands it, or else, uh, you know, they might have to talk them down. But I don't know. I've not, heard that story, but okay. Yeah, it happens every so often. I've heard it many times. Okay. And uh, it's, it's not all that difficult, and people are not going to go crashing into each other for the simple reason that flying is expensive. It's always been expensive. Planes aren't cheap. Um, you are not likely to buy yourself a Learjet and then just hop in it and take off across <laughs> the country without some kind of training. And even if you tried it, you would own it, you would be buying another Learjet, assuming that you survived the, uh, the ensuing fireball. Um, so you're not going to see anarchy in the skies, even if there was no uh, air traffic control at all. Because let's say we had a free market, and I owned Los Angeles International Airport, and I'm only going to allow certain people to land there that meet certain criteria, and if you come in there and land on my airport without the right criteria and mm -hmm. say you, you try and uh, you fly in a reckless manner and you endanger my other customers, <clears throat> I'm going to send my security guys out there and impound your airplane. So you're not likely to get away with it for very long. You're either going to be dead or you're going to wind up sure. with a lot of people wanting you to pay them money for uh, things that they've done. Right. So and essentially, you'd have to be a crazy man in uh, in, in a situation like that with those market and, forces uh, operating on you. Anybody and a crazy who was man uh, could do it today. Right now, today, right. a crazy man can run down to the. Like he said, these little airports—they have no control. Their planes are all just tied down there on the on the uh, uh, strip. Sure. And you just untie them and you hop in, and they're very easy to hotwire, much easier than a car. And you would just fly it around. And do whatever you want with it because it's stolen. I mean, it's it does happen. Most people, airplane theft is down pretty low, but mainly because most thieves don't know how to fly them. Sure. But um, really, it's no big deal to steal an airplane, fly around, go crash it into a building if you if you're not happy with your life. You know, it happens. 
but it's not going to happen very often, even without air traffic control. Plus, there's a lot of pilots flying right now without licenses. Uh, you say, oh, how can that happen? We've got the FAA. FAA does not fly around in the sky with little blue and, you know, black and white airplanes with cherries on top that, you know, and pulling people over. It doesn't happen. The, uh, a lot of guys will lose their medical certificate, so their, li- their license is basically pulled. It's not really, they still have a license, but their medical certificate isn't valid, so they're not legal to fly. Hmm. Those guys, a lot of them own their own airplanes, and they say, the heck with the FAA, I'm going to fly anyway. So there's probably... I would guess 2 to 3% of the small planes flying around right now are being flown by people that aren't so-called legit. Are they taking and, off from their own private airstrip? Or when you, when you take off at an airport, do you not have to prove to them that you are currently a licensed, uh, a licensed owner or a licensed no, flyer? you don't prove anything. If I, if I take my Cessna into, um, say, Portland International Airport and land it there, I just land it and go tie it down at the fixed base operation... Then I walk out of my plane and walk through the FBO and out and catch a taxi. There's no, there's no kind of security at all. At least there didn't used to be. I don't know. Maybe now they're getting a little tighter. But mm-hmm. the fact is, they don't check your credentials. If it's your plane, they're not going to check you. If I go in to rent an airplane, it's different. You know, if I go in to rent it, they're going to want to see my license, my medical certificate. When you buy, when you buy the plane, Gene, do you have to have a license at that time? No. You can buy any plane, you can buy a helicopter, you can buy a jet fighter if you want to, one of these uh, uh, refurbished uh, MiGs. That so they don't ask here. you for call letters or anything like that when you, uh, you know, you don't, have, you don't have like a special identification code you have to give the air traffic controller when you want to take off to get clearance or anything? You when, just... when you take off and land, you give them the call letters of your airplane, of the aircraft you're flying. You mm-hmm. don't give them your, license, your pilot's license number, you give them your tail fin number, and your tail fin... It belong to somebody else. I mean, it could be somebody else's plane. Right. It so, could be one that you just purchased. I mean, they. So they basically, don't have that information just goes into a logbook and sits in a you know sits on a shelf or sits in a computer file somewhere. And if someone in, you know initiates an investigation and says, "Well, I want to see you know where this you know what planes uh, took off from this airport at what time," then they might you know be able to do a little digging and figure that out. But there's no active. Uh, checking on people who whoever it is that's behind the the uh, the stick on that plane nobody's checking anything about them right and even that would only be done at your major airports all these little strips all around the country they have no air traffic controller you just get in the plane you fly you come back you land there's nobody checking anything and i'm checking to see what your number is when you take off or who's coming back or it's not it's not like that, and you don't see these planes falling out of the sky, landing in people's homes. They do once in a great, great while. Sure, but it's extremely rare. And no like one's I'm flying saying, around, dropping things on people's houses. In fact, if anything gets dropped on people's homes, it's that blue ice stuff from yeah. the uh, the major airlines that they'll uh, they'll accidentally or maybe on purpose open up their uh, little compartment where the the I don't know what to what do you call it the blue stuff yeah, from the usually a small village. leak. Usually, what happens is they get a small leak from the, uh, the receptacle that holds the waste, usually under the toilet. Right. And that small leak just kind of over the course of a four-hour flight forms a great big chunk of ice on the outside of the plane. And when it oh. gets to, to a certain weight, it breaks off and falls down. So Interesting. It's, it's it's not typically anything that they do. It's just a leak. Right. And and nobody, you know, those things are crashing through people's roofs. Uh, and, may, and, you know, they cause quite a bit of damage. Uh, but yet, nonetheless, it's still not a huge issue. It isn't a huge issue. I mean, you're more likely probably to get hit by a meteorite. Very good, Gene. Thanks for the expertise. We appreciate your call.
800-259-9231. So Gene basically saying that, hey, there's very little security today. Why isn't the, uh, you know, the chaos happening? Where are all the people stealing planes or getting out and, and throwing stuff out of their plane to, just to cause trouble? Right. It's not I, happening. What I think it comes down to is everybody has their favorite government program. Some people like the FFA, FAA, some people like the post office, but you know what? We can do without all of them. Yeah, I don't have any favorite government programs. Do you? 1-800-259-9231. I don't know if everybody has one. I think well, there are some people that I think have, everyone starts out with one. They have an affinity, perhaps, for one that they think is better than the rest, but they're really just a bunch of bureaucrats. Hour two's coming up. I believe Terry Goodkind will be joining us, the author. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two of the program. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Mark, you've lined up a guest for us tonight. I have uh, a guest that I'm, I, I really enjoyed talking to the last time we had him on. So who is he? It's Terry Goodkind. He's the uh, author of the Sort of Truth series. Terry, are you there? I am here. Wow. That's good thrilled to be you. back with you guys. <laughs> Excellent. Welcome back. Good to have you back. So, Mark, um, why are we having Terry back on the show? Well, because uh, something monumentous is happening. Terry, could you fill us in? Well, the uh, final book in the Sort of Truth series uh, was released today. It's the uh, uh, 11th volume. This has been going on now for... 13 years, I guess it is. Is it 13 is it? years? I just started reading maybe a couple of years ago, maybe maybe a year and a half ago. Uh-huh. And, I, you know, it's it's so great to have each book right there ready for when I finish <laughs> the last one. And then the last two, that hasn't really happened for me. Um, you know? <laughs> so, so you've read them all then, Mark? I, I have, and I'm really excited about them. Um, were you this, at the bookstore this morning, or were you? did you order one on Amazon? Or I, what? I, I, think, I think Terry's sending me one uh, autographed, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, I if if I don't get mine uh, from the publisher, uh, you know, in the next day or so, I will be at uh, Borders picking one up. Well, you can actually get one from Amazon.freetalklive.com as true. well. You, you um, can do that. What's the name of the book? The name of the book is Confessor. Confessor. All right. Confessor. Now, um, you know, it, it's sort of wrapping up this uh, sort of truth series, which I think is is really great. The uh, the main character in it, uh, Richard, is. It really embodies uh, all the things that I think a guy should embody. You know, uh, personal responsibility. He believes that he's uh, he's the captain of his own ship, and um, you know, he shows how his intellect. Uh, you, you show how his, his intellect. He managed to, uh, to to shape the world, his world around him, and, and the world in general. Um, kind of tease the uh, tease the series, and then we'll talk about the book. Okay? Right, because there are a lot of people listening that might not have ever heard of this. Likely what is have. it all about? Um. Richard Rawl is a character driven by reason in a in a world that's gone mad. I think something we can all relate to. <laughs> and uh, the the fun thing is that he has the power to do something about it. Um, uh, he takes the challenges, uh, rises to the challenges, and finds solutions to these problems in his world. And the problems that that he faces in his world are the same kinds of. Uh, nonsense we face in our world. And the difference is I get to torture and kill those people I don't like. <laughs> 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 but the uh, 
the, the series has been ongoing now for, for 12 or 13 years, and the cool thing is that I've known the solution to this series from the very beginning, and I've never told anyone what the final solution is. Not, not even your lovely wife. I've seen so many pictures of you guys uh, <laughs> signing books and that kind of thing. Has she ever wheedled it out of you? Never. And she <laughs> doesn't, you know, it, the thing is, she loves to read the story when it's out for herself and not, you know, not hear the punchline first. And as a storyteller, I love being able to tell a story and get to the punchline. And this book is the uh, is like that. It's the um, conclusion to a whole series of problems in an inventive way that I don't think any series has ever ended in this way before. And my goal throughout this whole series has not just been to write individual books that are exciting and fun to read, but to have a background story arc that sort of follows the story of where we are in our own civilization and have a conclusion of that whole background story arc. So this book, what it does is it's the keystone that makes you see the arch of that whole story and it puts it in a new perspective. So even though you may have liked, you know, this book better, that book better, or uh, you liked individual stories throughout the series, this final book casts a new light in the whole series that you understand it all in a whole new light. And the purpose of everything I've been doing throughout this whole series is to create the missing link between myth and our world. Um, why do we all have these common myths through different cultures? And, and, and um, why do we all wonder about the same kinds of things? And those myths that are common to all of mankind, um, I have my own explanation in this in this series, in this hmm. final book, of how that connects to our lives. Now, I've i got to say, that sounds very intriguing, uh, but you said there are 13 books in the series? Correct. Well, 11. Okay, I'm sorry, 11 books. Over 11, 13, 13, what the heck. Right, okay, I got it now. So there are 11 books in the series. I have a bookshelf full of books that I have yet to actually get to. Mm-hmm. If I was intrigued and I, you know, I'm listening to this show, I'm hearing you for the first time, hearing these ideas, wow, it sounds kind of neat. Can I pick up the 11th book and just read that and, and be entertained and, under, and sort of get it? Or do you really have to read the other 10 first? Well, my... There's there's a, not a yes or no answer to that. And let me explain briefly. Each of the books has been an independent novel along the way. Mm-hmm. But because the series is so big, I didn't want to end the whole series with one book. So the conclusion to the series is the trilogy. On um, that trilogy, the final three books is Chain Fire, Phantom, and Confessor. Okay. Those three books are not as much of a standalone book as the previous books in the series. So you can pick up the last book in the series, and you'll get the gist of what's going on, and it's an exciting story, but you you will not understand the full impact of the meaning of the events on the characters, where they've come from, Mm -hmm. the decisions they've made, the choices they've made in their life that have taken them to this point. So you would recommend then going two books back, reading the la- basically reading the last three if you were short on time, uh, yeah. otherwise the, the whole 11. You know, uh, yeah, right. I, I, I recommend the whole 11. <laughs> Not everyone has time for this, Mark, that's just, all. If you're going to read fiction, there's, uh, you know, there's only a couple of authors out there that I'm going to recommend to you. Um, you know, like my, my list of top two is going to be F. Paul Wilson and Terry Goodkind. If, you know, after that you're going to be talking, you know, I, I think Tom Clancy writes a good book, I think John Grisham writes a good book. But but these are the this is the category of author that I'm talking about here. Terry Goodkind is in you know to, to me the superlative uh, fictional writer. If you're going to spend some time um, reading a fictional work, 
Don't waste your time. Read the Sword of Truth series. Well, thank you very much. And, and I have to say, not not that I'm prejudiced or anything, but this final book is absolutely mind blowing. Um, the people who have read it, uh, the few people who have read it so far, mm-hmm. who usually talk quite a bit, have all been rendered speechless. <laughs> wow! And uh, it, this is truly the, the concepts in this book, the, the conclusions and the concepts that are put forward are. They just leave you sitting there in the dark, um, wondering about a lot of things. And uh, it's it's uh, the last half of the book is like being caught in an avalanche. It's just nonstop, cool action, and and just really neat stuff. Yeah, I, I really can't wait. Now, um, you you have this uh, this writing your your writing style, the the way you work. You you spend a great deal of your time writing during the day. Apparently, you know uh, what thirteen or fourteen hours a day. Yeah, I'm I'm really slow at writing, so the only way I can make up for it is just to be persistent. So I write, you know, 14, 16 hours a day, seven days a week for month after month after month. But to me, you know, the fun you have when you read a book and the excitement of being in that world, I have that same kind of fun when I'm writing it. So it's not to me like work. You know, I look up and two hours have gone by and I didn't even realize it. That's the way to have. I mean, that's the way to have a situation. That's what it's like for me yeah. on the radio. It's, it's not really work. It's not work for me either. Now, did your yeah. did your um, schedule change at all in the writing of this book, or was it uh, the, the same this, thing? This book was the most intense pressure of all of them because my publisher wanted a book for Christmas, mm-hmm. and um, you know, in the real world, you have to satisfy those people who sign the check. Sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, they needed a book for Christmas. Uh, they. Um, thought it was best for them. They thought it was best for my career and all those kind of things. Um, it was faster than my comfort zone. So I was working outside of my envelope. I was sort of in free fall the whole time. And it was a situation of not having the luxury of being able to waste a single page. So, for example, the last 80 pages of this book I wrote in one sitting, stream of consciousness, and sent it in without even rereading it. Wow. And what, what you read is straight off the top of my head, first time, no no changes. And But, you know, it's it, not quite as astounding as that sounds, because I've been thinking about this for 10 years. You know, this is this is the grand conclusion to my life's work, more or less. Wow. That sounds uh, monumental. Okay. Well, um, we you know, that's that's the interview, Terry. But tell them real quick what, uh, um, what the name of the, the book is again and the series. It's, the book is Confessor, and the series is a Sword of Truth series. And you can find it at uh, Amazon.freetalklive.com. Terry, thanks for joining us again tonight. Thank you. It's good hearing from you. And Fire. good luck with your sales on the book. Oh, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark, 800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com is the place to go. Archives are there. If you've missed a moment of the show, they're all right there, front page of the site. In fact, an entire year's worth of them right there for your downloading convenience at freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. LegalZoom.com. 800-259-9231. Let's go right into the phone calls here. Don's been waiting patiently in Kansas City. You're on Free Talk Live, Don. Hello, Don. Going once. Don going twice. 
Let's try instead uh, Jimmy in New York. Jimmy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, you. Uh, uh, hi. Is this Jimmy? Yeah, that's me. Hey, Jimmy. How are you? What's on your mind tonight? Uh, uh, first of all, um, uh, you know, I appreciate, uh, you know, um, uh, that you're running a great show and, um, you know, uh, pretty much everything's, uh, you know, uh, it's inspiring. You know, it's like uh, I'm very happy that there's like this independent media, independent place where you can come and, you know, share your feelings and, uh, you know, your opinions and uh, what's up. The new media uh, is a wonderful thing. So what's on your mind? Um, uh, I don't know. I was, uh, pretty much, uh, I, uh, I like the uh, new, uh, presidential candidate who's coming up, uh, Mr. Ron Paul. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I mean, who doesn't like Ron Paul? How can you not like <laughs> Ron Paul? Uh, uh, that's the thing. I mean, uh, um, right now I saw a little clip on YouTube that, uh, they said that he raised about 24, uh, I'm sorry, about like, uh, you know, a couple of million dollars in 24 hours, like five, four or five million dollars. It was, in yeah, 4.2 or 4.3, 4 something like that. And um, I, I was like, well, you know, uh, this guy is like really pissing off some real powerful people. And I was just, uh, yeah, he is. you know, he's pissing off the Federal Reserve, pissing off the military industrial complex, pissing off, you know, a, a lot of people. And I was just thinking, uh, I mean, I want your input on this. Like, uh, I'm afraid that, you know, they might try to hurt him. That's, that's the one thing. And the second thing is uh, um, I saw a documentary on YouTube about it's called um, Hacking Democracy. So, you know, they might rig the election a certain way so he doesn't uh, go through. And it's I mean, certainly, uh, a, it's certainly something to be concerned about. I know the guys over at the We the People organization have filed lawsuits in all 50 states uh, looking for an injunction against electronic voting machines. There are some definitely some kind of... Some spooky things out there, some interesting evidence, uh, some interesting expert testimony about these electronic voting systems that really calls their, uh, uh, their, them into question as far as their accuracy, their ability to be uh, backdoored and hacked and that sort of thing. Um, so absolutely, uh, I, I, I understand your concerns. On the concern about, well, whether something awful will happen to Ron Paul, it's certainly a, a paranoid viewpoint, though, I mean, the people in positions of power certainly don't want that power threatened. That, of course, you have to ask yourself if he is really a threat to them, and they're willing to take that sort of a uh, they're willing to take that sort of action, and that is kill Ron Paul or do something awful that would cause him to drop out of the race. Then why haven't they done it yet? I mean, it's clear it gets more and more clear as every day goes by that Ron Paul's uh, not losing popularity but gaining it, while the other candidates are losing popularity. Um, the other candidates are spending money through their noses, and Ron Paul's still got millions of dollars in the bank. So, I mean, if they're not threatened yet, when are they going to be threatened enough to uh, to make a, a move that's that evil? Right, right. Um, and really, there's nothing them. you can do about it anyway, so no point in worrying. Okay, uh, I got you. Um, uh, uh, secondly, an another quick 30-second thing. Um, you probably saw the footage on uh, YouTube or television about the uh, the kid who got t tasered. And, mm -hmm. uh, the Don't Taze the Me Bro kid. Uh, thing, yeah. University of Florida. Yes. And uh, how do you think that went down? I saw the footage like 10 times. And, I mean, uh, Carrie said, I want to answer his questions. But then the security guards come out and they, they, they just put him down. Well, if you'd like to hear Mark and I argue about this for an hour, uh, you should go back to, a, <laughs> to listen to the show like around when the event happened because we talked about it quite a bit. But I'll, uh, I'll summarize it for you. And, Jimmy, thank you for the call. Uh, basically, I thought the, the cops were out of line in that particular case. 
and when I say they're out of line, I mean at the point at which they started bothering the kid. He had been speaking for approximately 45 seconds when they stepped in and uh, began sort of muscling him away from the microphone. And that, of course, is what set the kid off. And, you know, he demanded to have his time. Others had had their time. And why shouldn't he have his time? Uh, and, and as he pointed out, Kerry did say he wanted to answer the question, but the cops were, again, muscling in, and, and then he started fighting back against the cops, and we all know what happens when that happens. And I think that was where most of your objection came in, Mark, was that, you know, you thought I was saying that he shouldn't have been um, – you thought that I was saying that he shouldn't have been taken down in the way that he was, and I don't think he should have fought back against the cops. I think that's what brought that about. I think that's what brought the uh, the tasering about. I think the tasering was a little much. I think that they went a little overboard with that. They didn't I'd have say the to cops were jumpy. Um, there were six I, cops there. Or and something I'd say the like kid that. was a bit of a jerk, too. I mean, there you was know, no doubt about acting it. like a jerk. And I don't mean that he is a jerk. I was, you know, he went there. Some of the evidence well, is Kerry, that he John Kerry's a jerk, too. So, I mean, whatever. No, you won't get any argument from me there. Yeah, yeah. To- Toby, your interpretation of that uh, that occurrence? Well, I think his behavior once the cops put their hands on him, he got what was coming for him. Knowing knowing the uh, the police that we live in this country, we know what happens when you fight back against the police. I right. think he obviously knew what was happening. I also don't think that the cops should have put their hands on him in the first place, though. So, I mean, it's they kind of they should have let him get his questions out, let him have his questions answered, and if he he wanted to hog the mic after his questions were answered then that would have been an appropriate time to ask him to, yes. to step aside. But they were doing it before he was even really even finished, yes. which I thought was out of, uh, I thought that was inappropriate of them. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you. I mean, he shouldn't, he shouldn't have fought back because we know what's going to happen if you fight back. And then again, right. they shouldn't have put their hands on him in the first place. So 1-800-259-9231. On the way here, we're going to talk about a gambling crackdown here in the Northeast. Uh, but first, we go to, we're going to try Don one more time. Don in Kansas City, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Don in Kansas City. Yeah, hi, guys. There hey, he is. what's on your mind? Cool. Um, I just wanted to uh, send an appeal out to all the conspiracy theorists out there that they tried to do their best to try to disassociate their message with the Ron Paul campaign. It's getting a little out of hand, and I think it's doing a... A huge discredit to the movement. Wait, I don't understand. Wait, uh, who, who's disassociating? You're saying the conspiracy theorists are trying to disassociate their they're, message? They're trying to associate. No, they're trying to attach their message to Ron Paul. Oh. And it's it's doing a hell of a lot of damage. Uh, I'll give you an example. There was a local concert a couple weeks ago, and um, took my wife, uh, mm-hmm. two friends, and a couple of their girlfriends. I, mean, I had like four new people that heard, around, heard about Ron Paul but didn't really know you know the gist about him. Right. And it was a fundraising deal, and uh, so I took them to this concert, and it started off pretty good and a lot of good conversation. And they had a couple of speakers, and, uh, you know, the ball is really getting going. And um, the second speaker to get up there was a radio talk show host that was into this stuff. And um, <clears throat> he started talking about chemtrails. Oh, boy. And uh, <laughs> trying to explain to my friends that, you know, this was actually about Ron Paul. I didn't know what this guy was talking about. This is not Ron Paul's message. It was un- unsuccessful, and they ended up walking out, and they actually wanted the money back that was going to the um, the big push on November 5th. Wow. I actually talked him out of that. but um, So, wait, this whole event was a Ron Paul thing? I thought it was just a concert is what you're saying. It, it was a fundraising concert with some local bands to raise money for Paul, okay. and they had some speakers there. And one of the speakers gets up there and just starts ranting about chemtrails and all this conspiracy stuff. And we lost, we lost four new guys, you know. 
something like that happened to me. I went to a Ron Paul event. Someone gave me a CD about some whacked out conspiracy thing about Chinese ninjas. Oh, man. Let's talk more about this. Hang on. 800-259-9231. want to hear more about your conversations with these guys that you were with and, and what it was that they had to say. I understand this is a concern. And I'm certainly concerned about it, but what about the white supremacists that are getting behind the Ron Paul campaign? Isn't that worse? More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up what you want, toll-free, 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, by the way, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where the features are for free, including the wiki with over 1,450 pages created by listeners like you. You can go there and edit it to your heart's content. It's like the listener editable version of our site. Wiki.freetalklive.com. W-I-K-I.freetalklive.com. And the silver liberty dollar is as beautiful as the ideals it represents. It's America's second most popular currency with over 20 million liberty dollars in circulation with 100,000-plus people using it on a daily basis. Go to LibertyDollar.org, stop using their money, and start using the Liberty Dollar, and return America to value $1 at a time. LibertyDollar.org. It does return America to value $1 at a time. And they're pretty, too. They are really, really amazing-looking pieces. 800-259-9231. Let's go back to Don in Kansas City. Now, Don, just to recap what you told us before... You had gone to a concert, which was supposed to be a benefit concert for Ron Paul. Now, it wasn't actually an event that Ron Paul was going to be at. It was just people getting together on their own and raising money for Ron Paul. Yeah. You'd brought some friends along with you. And was it friends or family? I missed that point. It was my wife um, who's heard about Ron Paul and Mm -hmm. a couple of friends I've talked to. And this was like the first time they've ever given to a politician or been interested at all. Right. So the proceeds of the concert were supposed to go to benefit Ron Paul. You brought them there band played, and then some guy from a local uh, talk station got up and uh, started yammering on about chemtrails or some other conspiracy nonsense, and you say that really turned off uh, some of your friends. Well, yeah, because we had we had actual political discussions going on, and I was trying to explain you know, what Ron Paul was all about, and the first speaker was great, and then the, um, the second guy gets up there and, uh, yeah, starts talking about chemtrails and, and this other stuff. Now, immediately... All this stuff that they've heard on the news about Ron Paul being a whack job is suddenly confirmed the in their eyes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was just incredibly damaging. And uh, what did they? Say, what are some of the things they said to you? I mean, what were the conversations like between you and them after that well, point? Well, we were, you know, we were talking about you know real issues. Like the first guy brought up this you know bill that's been passed about you know political uh, people being defined as you know terrorists and all this other stuff. So we we're talking about that. And all of a sudden, you know, you start seeing their glances kind of glancing up towards the stage at this guy. And I turned to to listen, and uh, I heard all this chemtrail stuff, and I just sat back in my chair, and I was like, you know, everything I've set up to now is, is over. Oh, no. You know, it's all erased. And uh, the real bad thing is, is when I, um, after he was done talking, I confronted the guy um, after he came off stage, and I asked him if he really thought he was doing a valuable service to bring this kind of stuff up at a totally unrelated Ron Paul event, and he thought he was justified, and people at the rally came to his defense. I was surrounded, and they were saying that uh, if my friends couldn't handle the truth, then 
their uh, their oh, help geez. wasn't needed. Right. You're, you're a gatekeeper. You're part of the uh, New World Order. Yeah, I was, right? yeah, I was part of the conspiracy. Now, because, uh, wow. I'd, yeah. I'd like to come into d- defense of the, uh, um, the, kooks? the kooks here for a moment, if I could. Um, we propose uh, on this show, we've, we've talked about how even if Ron Paul doesn't win, he's a great thing for the liberty movement. And we, c- you know, the liberty movement itself can use Ron Paul to, um, you know, uh, a- a his campaign as a way to get more people to hear the message. Sure. And Ron Paul in the past has uh, gone on more than one um, conspiracy type oriented show. And although he doesn't talk about them, um, he's sort of you know birds of a feather kind of thing he's he's gotten a, a, you know in that arena and i don't see why the conspiracy theorists shouldn't say we can use ron paul to get our message out there the same Clearly way that what they're doing the liberty um, people are doing now i would say that um you know i would say to a conspiracy which theorist, just goes to show that the conspiracy theorists aren't about liberty at all and all about propagating their conspiracy theories i, I would say that's absolutely true right and uh, while while we here say it'll bring not, more not people with all of them we it'll bring more people towards liberty Plus, hopefully get Ron Paul elected. I think that the conspirators are pushing their agenda and doing damage to the Ron Paul message and getting him elected all along. I mean, I've gone to some events, and I've gone to quite a few Ron Paul events whenever he comes here, and there are the same conspirators out at every single one of these events. The hardcore conspirators seem to attend every single event that I've been to. Mm. So. Maybe it yeah. would be best. I don't know how to handle this. I mean, I, I'm I'm disturbed that you're you're the people you're hanging out with are so easily swayed that you know because there's a couple of crackpots or a handful of crackpots supporting a candidate that that means that they're not going to support that candidate. For, I mean, regardless of what Ron Paul has to say, regardless of how great his ideas are, the fact that there's a handful of kooks, at least that they've seen, that support him means that all of a sudden he's politically unviable. I mean, that well, I I have a bit of a problem with, but I guess. I I could understand if they are relatively new to the idea of politics. Of course, they always say that politics makes for strange bedfellows. Um, it would seem like you should you should be able to sort of pawn them off on that. Oh, they're just crazies. You know, hey, I bet you'd find some crazies uh, in Hillary's camp too, right? Yeah, just just ask the environmentalists. You know? Yeah, but you gotta you gotta realize, you know, I've tore them away from the mainstream media and what they're saying about them, and then they hear stuff that almost confirms what they've heard. Yeah. I understand what you're saying, and the one thing that I would talk to them about, um, if if you get an opportunity to talk to them, is just try to imagine that currently, um, you know, under the Democratic umbrella out there, there are crazies um, like you know people that want to do away with the combustion engine. What about the crazies wanna, in the Republican umbrella that want to bomb the rest of the world? There's certainly that crazies? too. Um, you know, there, there's fringes everywhere, and that right. the vast majority, the vast majority of people that are supporting Ron Paul don't believe that uh, the government is trying to kill us with chemtrails. Right. I, I yeah. guess that's really all you can do is just implore them to pay attention to the man and his message, and not the message of those people who might deem to be his supporters. Because if you get too mired down in what the what the supporters are doing and what their supporters' ideas are, then there's all kinds of stuff out there. I mean, like I said, there are people in white supremacist movements that have contributed to the Ron Paul campaign. Does that mean Ron Paul's a racist or supports white supremacy? No, of course not. But some people are going to draw that connection, and all I can say is it's just unfortunate. What can you do about this? Well, it, I guess I guess the problem I have is that... Uh are you there? I'm here. Oh, yeah. I'm we, sorry. we haven't it, dumped it, you it, yet. It, does, it doesn't go both ways. Like we'll, you know, we'll accept them into the fold as you know Ron Paul supporters, but the minute you try to tell them that um, their views aren't helping, 
you're a conspiracy. You know, you're, you're part of the conspiracy. Oh sure. I mean, the, and then they don't need you, and it's just ridiculous. I, I agree with your uh, I agree with your viewpoint on the th- the conspiracy crowd. They're very very. So they can be very, very thick, I guess, sometimes, and they don't realize that what they're doing could be damaging to Ron Paul. Some of them. Um, some of them, yeah. Some of them are very. Some of them are sensible. Some of them can have sensible conversations. We had one of them on with us last night. We mm-hmm. had a nice long conversation with him, and it, and it went very well. And he wasn't yelling about the steel melts at X ten degrees and all the nonsense that they normally yell out. So yes, there are differences amongst them, but you know, it's only the craziest that get noticed, right? So it's only the most wackaloons that are getting the attention. And in this case, it turned off four of your friends and family members to Ron Paul. I think it's tragic. I don't know if the answer is to not bring them to Ron Paul events. That wouldn't be good because then you're not increasing the size of the events yeah. and, and sort of keep them, just give, feed them Internet articles and that sort of thing. It's a little more safe, I guess. And, you know, maybe you can uh, – w- one thing that, that helps is if people are warned about things ahead of time. Um, if you can, That's so, a good point. If you can sort of disappear their concern by talking um, to people additionally that, look – there's liable to be uh, people at this event that, you know, Ron Paul appeals to all kinds of people, yeah, not just right. people that support liberty, but people um, that believe that, he's, that he will shine a light into government that will expose all kinds of vicious conspiracies that they imagine that the government has portrayed. They aren't, by any stretch of the imagination, the majority. Um, but I, I, if if the government has um, uh, has done these kind of awful things, I would want Ron Paul in there too. But who knows? It's difficult to know. Um, and, and it's just it, it, another pi- They they just released recently um, one of the uh, some Air Force pilot claims that in fact the, uh, the the alien bodies of Roswell are real. I don't know what the hell to think about that. You know. <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, you know, I mean, there's like someone looking for attention. They're everywhere. Well, yeah. I, actually, he was dead, and it was his, uh, his, his like, you know. He, I hear anathema. you guys. I'm just, I'm just hoping that his association with some of those talk shows you were talking about before doesn't come back to haunt him if he gets the nomination. Understood. Um, you know, well, if he gets the nomination, then I wouldn't be too concerned about it. It's getting the nomination that's the tricky part. I think the more and more support he's going to get, the less and less those conspiracy mongers are going to matter because they're going to kind of be put on the back burner. I hope you're right about that, but they are certainly good about na- uh, making noise. Don, thanks for the story, and keep us informed if uh, your friends change their mind. 800-259-9231, because you'd think it'd be more important to them that Don, their friend, supports Ron Paul, not the random strangers in the audience. Who are they? They could be anybody. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com where all the features are totally free, including updates, live streaming, the wiki, everything. Um, But if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping at the Free Talk Live store. Head over to store.freetalklive.com and you'll find all kinds of great Free Talk Live branded merchandise like hats and t-shirts and hoodies and more all there. Store. .freetalklive.com. Do you need a new computer but just don't seem to have the money or credit to buy one? MyPCCredit.com is your answer. Finance top quality new computers, laptops, and hundreds of other electronics. There are no credit checks, no turndowns. If you're 18 years or older and have proof of income, you're approved. Prices start from just $22 a month. Go to MyPCCredit.com and finance your new computer today. That's MyPCCredit.com. We just uh, finished up a phone call with a gentleman in Kansas City who was telling us about a, um, a concert that he went to that was supposed to benefit Ron Paul. 
As it turns out, looks like some of the conspiracy crowd was behind organizing the concert as one of their... Uh, one of the conspiracy theorists, who apparently is a talk show host in the area, uh, took the stage and started talking about chemtrails and who knows what other uh, theories. And apparently this uh, really turned off some of the people that he was attending the concert with to the point where they weren't interested anymore in uh, in Ron Paul. And what can you do about this? I mean, Mark, you suggested a good um, a good point, I think, and that is prepare the people in advance. If you're taking a newbie to a, to a Ron Paul event, prepare them in advance for the fact that you're going to encounter a variety of different people. Ron Paul's supporters can't be pigeonholed. Um, there, there are people who are libertarians. There are people who are Democrats, Republicans, Greens, uh, people from all walks of life, age, uh, both genders, obviously. All kinds of different people are behind Ron Paul, which inevitably means there are going to be people with questionable viewpoints that are behind Ron Paul as well. So the conspiracy theorists, for instance, or white supremacists, though they probably won't. Though it's more likely you're going to see the conspiracy theorists than you are the white supremacists because they're not likely to show up in their their clan outfits or anything like that. I, yeah, I wouldn't think they go out in public like that. No, it's a bad idea. So that I think it's probably more of a concern encountering the conspiracy theorists, but at the same time, I've seen articles online that mention the fact that Ron Paul has gotten contributions from racists, uh, from known racists in racist organizations, and they're trying to make Ron Paul out to be a racist as a result of that, and of course, it doesn't follow. Ron Paul can't control who his supporters are. Nope, and it's ve- it's a very grassroots movement. Uh, I, I suppose that might be the, the downfall of a ga- grassroots movement, but it's the only one I can think of so far, and I'll yeah. take it. I mean, you know, th- this is <laughs> this is the movement we've got, and I say we push uh, forward with it as much as we can. I I, I think the best damn thing, the torpedoes. Yeah, right. The best thing you can do is prepare people for. Look, this movement is made up of all kinds of people. Right. You are liable to hear anything from people that are uh, so far into the environmental movement that they say that you need to uh, get rid of your car and uh, walk to or, you know ride a bicycle to work stop eating cows um, that you need that that we need to uh, shoot the mexicans on the border as they come across or that uh, in fact the government uh, was responsible completely for 911 so I think that's the best thing you can do, unless you guys can think of anything else, just sort of prepare people in advance for what they're going to see. That way it's not as much of a shock to the system, because there's no way you can control it. You you can't control who gets behind Ron Paul. All you can do is hope to influence the uh, the viewpoint of the, the people that you're that you're bringing with you. Yeah, and uh, remind them to focus on what Ron Paul's saying, not what, right. what the people around it, what... what Supporters might say might be accurate, accurate, and it might not. But let's focus on his message more. Right, and it doesn't matter if a, a 9/11 conspiracy theorist gets in front of you and says, "Ron Paul says he thinks the government was behind it." Well, Ron Paul doesn't say that. He's never said that. Just because it comes out of someone else's mouth doesn't mean it's true. That's just hearsay. So unless I agree with that, unless what you're hearing is coming from the mouth of Ron Paul. You need to treat it as such. You need to treat it as hearsay if you're hearing it anywhere else but straight from the horse's mouth. Beyond that, what else can you do? You know, it's a it's a presidential campaign. It's getting more and more popular. As it becomes more popular, more questionable personalities will get behind it. And, of course, the media is going to try to spin that to make Ron Paul look bad. We all know better. Hopefully your friends will uh, pay more attention and, uh, I don't know, not be so swayed by the opinions of others. 800-259-9231. Let's go and talk to Don. Different Don. This one's in New York on the Amplifier line. Hello, Don. Hey, Ian. Hey, what's Sorry. on your mind tonight? Uh, well, I 
called in about um, my status here in the country as a uh, permanent resident. I've lived here my whole life, adopted a kid. Uh-oh. Are you on a cell yeah. phone, Don? I am. Oh, it's a little questionable. Are you indoors? Antenna oh. is extended now. All right. Let's try again. Go ahead. You're a, a, a resident alien. Yeah, permanent resident alien. Lived here my whole life. Um, and until recently, uh, I have considered myself, you know, glad to, to live in America and proud to be an American, um, you know, a Canadian living in America. You had a caller last night from France who was uh, contemplating coming here. Mm-hmm. And I'm contemplating leaving here. So really? Just to show the duality. Yeah, last weekend I spent a good portion of the weekend looking at other places that have good unemployment rates or, uh, you know, favorable unemployment rates, um, decent cost of living. Prague, uh, is it Prague? Uh, I guess that's in Germany. Uh, Prague? Option. I'm not sure where that's that is. That's Czech Republic, isn't it? Okay. Could be Czech Republic, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a hip place to go these days. They say it's uh, low unemployment and, uh, you know, decent living um, you know, um, housing situation in the area. So I'm actually looking because of the what you guys were talking about with this guy from France, the bureaucracy. Even if you're a permanent resident alien in this country now since DHS has taken over uh, INS, it is a nightmare trying to get your paperwork done to get your IDs renewed. Um, and from what he was saying and from what I read on the website, um, since DHS has taken over, uh, it's become a lot more um, disconcerting to, to go through the system because they now have posted these laws that you are you are supposed to carry your permanent resident alien card with you at all times, and any failure <laughs> to do so could uh, cause your deportation. Wow. And well, the other thing that I was intrigued by by your caller was the fact that you guys were saying that in order to work in this country, you have to work. Now, hopefully these are, these are new laws that he's talking about because coming over here as a kid, I've worked for whoever I wanted to throughout the course, you know, whoever hires me mm-hmm. and whoever I choose to go to work for is who I've got. I've never had any restrictions placed on me about, you know, who I could work for and who I couldn't. But then again, I don't ever go to the government to ask them permission. So, uh, and you I, I came hope, from uh, Canada? Yes, I'm Canadian, brought over by my parents at birth, and I'm when? a permanent resident at, alien. When, how old? You said at birth was oh, when you were? Six, well, at six months old, you know. And, um, and how old are you now? How long ago was that? Oh, I'm, I'm 40 now. It definitely, uh, things have changed in the last 40 years, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, while he's looking to get into this country and, and um, you know, uh, there are companies and people who are like me who are probably more than eager nowadays to, to start looking at other places to live. How interesting. You, know, you, have, you have basically, what you're saying is you have attained what it is that many people are looking for. They're looking to immigrate uh, to the United States. You've had that for your entire life, and you're saying that even though you've been here for that long, that it's still difficult on you to be, a, to be an immigrant to this country. That and the America that I lived in up until post-2001 and, and all of this insanity to to the constitution that, that's gone on i i was glad to live here now um it's not the same america that it was 10 mm. 10 just 10 years ago to me it, it's a completely different country where i felt welcomed my whole life to live here now and, i feel like a third-rate citizen who has has you know if i'm graceful enough if they give me the privilege enough i can stay in this country very interesting, especially considering that, you, you know, you aren't necessarily of a uh, Hispanic background, so when someone looks at you, they can't necessarily say, hey, you're an immigrant, right? I mean, you, Absolutely you, not. But, but the point, you know, the, the thing is, is, why should I stay here? What does this land now have to offer me that I can't get by going back to, to Toronto, Canada and working? 
that I can't get by going to, uh, uh, you know, a, mm. a good uh, place in Germany or, or some other, you know, country. Would Canada good take question. you back? Why wouldn't I? I still have my Canadian passport. You're, you're a citizen of Canada, aren't you? Yes, I'm a citizen of Canada. Yeah, Never, they wouldn't have a choice, uh, actually. So uh, why not go back to Canada? Why look at Prague? Why look at uh, other areas of the world? Why not take well, the easy route? Because then you're just going to be dealing with their immigration laws. Yeah, but I figure even their immigration laws are probably ten times easier than the ones that are here. Uh, why? Because I think probably the economy and the unemployment rate uh, in most of those areas would be uh, better. Or, you know, I, I haven't looked at Canada lately, but, uh, you know, the dollar is, is now on par with ours. Mm-hmm. So. Um, lots of reasons. The Euro, you know, looking at Europe because uh, the value of their dollar is going up and ours well, is going down. You've definitely got your research cut out for you. I mean, trying to research other countries, uh, immigration laws, and that sort of thing certainly would take uh, a serious, significant amount of time. But hey, I wish you the best of luck in in hey, figuring out what you want to do. Work for DHS yet? It probably takes the same amount of time to to fill out all these forms I have to get for my passport, wow. for my green card. You know, and, I can't. I can't even imagine uh, how burdensome that uh, that must feel to you. How frustrating all I haven't of this had must ID be. since I was 17, guys, hmm. um, because my, my mother, initially, it was stolen out of her purse at the age of 17. At that point, it was her responsibility to get it replaced, and she, she never didn't. did. Huh. Interesting. I Let know. us know how the rest of your uh, search goes if you find and a country Toby. worthy of yourself. Thanks for the call. Hour two is, or hour three, rather, is on the way. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three of the program. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The feature's there for free, so enjoy those on us again. Freetalklive.com. Rolling right into the phone calls. And hopefully we'll talk about gambling in a few moments. But first, let's go to Lee in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hey, Lee. Good day. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, um... You know, that was just pretty much plain rude to go to Ron Paul, uh, get together and uh, talk about chemtrails, you know? Yeah, you're referring to a call, just to catch our new listeners up here, uh, that yeah, came in last hour. Them. Yeah, a guy called in last hour, said he took some friends to a concert, expecting it to just be a nice little benefit for Ron Paul, and then some crackpot got on stage uh, talking about chemtrails, and it and it ruined the experience for his friends that were relatively new to the Ron Paul campaign, and it really turned them off. Uh, so that's what you're commenting on. Go ahead, sir. Well, yeah, that's what I was commenting on. On the other hand, the guy that was up there talking has a pretty valid point. Oh, not you're sure not one of the guys... chemtrail adherents, are you? Hey. I will personally pay 500 bucks to have you guys come over to Montana for any given two-day period of time and watch the chemtrails come out of the sky. They're called contrails, my friend. We have no, them here too. No, no. Trust me, I was, you know, I got a few years on you. <laughs> oh, that Okay. Little, little jet experience. Full age card. Little, yeah, yeah. So what evidence do you have, sir, that these are chemicals instead of the normal uh, contrails? Well, that t- I was a metallurgist for an aluminum plant for five years. So uh, I happen to know a little bit about aluminum oxide, which is in chemtrails. They do have... And you know uh, this how exactly? 
Pardon? How, how do you know how that do it's you in know there? they're in chemtrails? How do you know that? They've followed them and caught them. Who is they exactly? They would be people that have resources more than me. They can measure fluoride 10,000 feet, and I know that from the aluminum plant industry, too. That <sighs> was one of the big things. Now, where did you hear this? Did you hear oh this on God, the radio? Yeah. Did you hear the, about them following the chemtrails on the radio? Or did you, know, you get it off a website? We're a little soft on the connection here, but... Um, I can hear you just fine. I'm just curious where you heard that they caught the chemtrails. Where'd you get it from? Videos, internet, and you don't have to be real smart to tell that these clouds, we get real jets flying over here in Montana. There's mm -hmm. 940,000 people in the state. This isn't, it's 500 miles long. It isn't a state that you'd really want to spray. It hits the Rocky Mountains 20 miles from where I'm, looking out the window right now, even though it's dark, and that's it. They stay there, and you see them raining. Now, what are they doing? Condensation trails don't rain. They don't drop down thousands of feet. We have literally five, seven, eight, nine times the traffic of jets. They come from Fairchild Air Force Base in Spokane. They come from Portland. They come okay. from Seattle. Toby has a so, question for you. So are they modifying the weather, controlling people's mind? What exactly are these yeah, What's interesting doing? is there's barium in that and beryllium. Hmm. Okay. I know you can't drink that if it's in your well. So are they poisoning I don't us? recommend drinking it ever, but I will tell you that we made uh, aluminum can stock at the smelter I worked at. And beryllium was something that had to be measured to the sixth decimal place. So, oh, again, what's That's the point, purpose wait a of this, That's Lee? Point zero, 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 one, Understood. Five. Understood. What is the purpose, uh, in your mind, uh, as you understand it, to the uh, these planes allegedly dropping these chemicals on you? It's kind of like fluoride in your water. It makes you like, I don't care. <laughs> You think, that, guy, you, you you think it's, it's an apathy campaign? You think that they can actually make yes, people I, apathetic I by dropping chemicals on them? That's just one aspect of it. But uh, What's the other aspect? Go ahead. Uh, there's a lot of, um, well, beryllium and barium both are uh, extremely uh, carcinogenic. So, so is know. there a big outbreak of cancer there in Montana? Well, I will tell you, I saw this in Oregon 10 years ago coming out of Portland, no less, and uh, I was in eastern Oregon, and um, yeah, we had the uh, highest, in a town of 12,000 people, there was the highest cancer rate per capita of any city in the United States. Okay. You do understand and they blamed that it on people, Hanford. Yeah, you do understand that as people continue to live longer and longer lives, it is more likely that more people will come down with things like cancer. Well, you know, I do everything I can to promote it, but... Um... To promote cancer? <laughs> well, he probably smokes, is what he's saying. I see. Lee, it's it's been an interesting conversation. Thank you for making the call tonight. 800-259-9231. Look, here's, here's where it all breaks down for me. 
beyond the fact that, I mean, it just seems silly that somebody would want to do this, I suppose there could be some evil person in government who's decided to start dropping chemicals on the American populace to experiment with them. They've certainly experimented with innocent people in times past. Uh, nuclear weapons in uh, Utah and Nevada, that sort of thing. He didn't say that it was evil. He said it um, was like fluoride in the water, which most of them are doing because they want to do good things for people. Right. Well, whatever. Here's my question. If he claims that it's true that somebody has gone out and captured the chemtrails and that they've uh, been able to analyze them somehow and prove that all of these chemicals are really there, why is it that it hasn't broken any further, the story that is, why has the story not broken any further than conspiracy websites and conspiracy radio shows? Well, you don't see, um, you don't see the, uh, the national media talking about fluoride in the water very often either. Yeah, I think it would go along with the media being part of the conspiracy. Now, here's what I don't get. Are the people who are dropping these chemtrails, supposedly they're living among us. Wouldn't they be affected by the chemtrails, too? Dumbed <laughs> down, if you will. Aren't they getting the same That's a brilliant effect point. that everyone else is? And um, also, if, if it's if it's to uh, you know turn us all into sheep, how come we aren't affected? Right, because <laughs> there's so many holes in this uh, this chemtrail nonsense, and I, I think that's a really a, a, a very salient point, Toby, and that is that it's not just – if you look at the chemtrail kook websites, they have pictures from all across the country. Yeah. So it's not just like the, it's the people flying the planes live in other states and they're only flying over Montana. The allegations are that these chemtrails are everywhere, right? Just look up in the sky and you can tell the difference between the chemtrails and the contrails. And uh, so if that's the case, then they really are blanketing the entire country, thereby putting their own children uh, and wives and family members and friends at, at risk. What could possibly be what, – what experiment could possibly be worth that risk? I mean, you want your family to inhale all of these chemicals that they're talking about? And, and again, Mark, your point about uh, why aren't we affected? I mean, we're here too, right? What about all the other liberty-loving individuals in America? What about all the people in America that aren't apathetic? Do they have an immunity to uh, barium? And where's the evidence that barium and uh, aluminum and all these other things, beryllium, actually cause apathy? And the thing with this is that's only one of the theories out there is is barium and aluminum. If you go out there, there is... Every single kind of conspiracy about this, different variations on their modifying the weather, their contr- mind sure. control, if, and all different stuff. So it's, many of them. If, if, in fact, chemtrails are true, the chemtrail guys need to firm up their evidence more. Like he claims they've captured them. But, again, if there really is some hard evidence out there, look, not every television station is controlled by the, uh, the, the New World Order, the other thing that the conspiracy theorists are just frightened to death of. I mean, it's just a fact. If if they were completely controlled, then why do you see stories exposing, you know, the police department and that sort of thing? Shouldn't they be in line? Shouldn't they be uh, in line with the police state and, and in support of it at all times? I mean, there are so many different stories that come out critical of the government and critical of the police. And, uh, and, it, and there, are, there have been plenty of exposés on some of the awful things that government has done over time. And if indeed these chemtrails have been going on for so long, then where are the, where are the exposés on that? I mean, we've, there have been his, History Channel... Things on uh, the, the the nuclear testing and that sort of thing. There's this is well known. I mean, nuclear testing. The government tested nuclear weapons on people in Utah and Nevada. That's a known fact. It's not disputed by anybody. You don't have to go to a conspiracy website to find stories about it. But you do if you want to find out about the chemtrail thing, because it's nonsense. 
800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever's on your mind. The government can control people's minds in much easier ways. They run the schools. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features there for free, including updates. You just get signed up. We keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show, you'll know it first if you're on the list at updates.freetalklive.com. It's free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. As we go right into the phone calls here and talk to Dale in New Hampshire on the amp line. Hey, Dale. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, last night I uh, didn't realize it was like right before the end of the show when I called in and I was completely caught off guard. So, (laughs) Mark, you and Mark were just talking about how there's, you know, there's a lot of people who are, especially in the Free State Project, who are really active on the Ron Paul campaign and stuff like that. And said something about that the people who are, you know, basically morally opposed to politics, the anarchists, but should perhaps just consider voting for Ron Paul to support their friends. And I'm like, that, that to, to me, it's like it, it's unreasonable to expect your friends to do something that they believe that they believe to be immoral, whether or not. I mean, obviously, he doesn't think so. But you know, I agree with you on that point, Dale. And I get and 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 uh, and, and I guess it made. I called in immediately as soon as he said that because I'm getting pressure constantly from the. You know, I live in Pork Manor in, in Manchester, and uh, there's a lot of porcupines here, and uh, they're all really, really active Ron Paul supporters, except for like one other person who agrees with me. And uh, they're just, you know, I'm constantly getting pressure. Oh, you know, donate to the campaign and go, you know, go get active on the Ron Paul campaign and everything. And I've, I've recently chosen not to do those things because I don't feel comfortable about them anymore. Now, wait and a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Slow down for one second here, Dale. Yeah. Uh, are you, you on a cell phone? Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid I'm on a cell phone. Okay, I'm having to, like, turn you down as I talk, so hopefully that doesn't bother you too much because the phone's kind of doing funny things. Anyway, um, my, the point I want to say here is that you were driving around as of recently. I haven't seen your car recently, but you were driving around with a, uh, a Ron Paul uh, window sticker on the back of your vehicle. Has that been removed? No, not yet. I've considered it. What? Okay, so what was the, uh, I guess, the change in your viewpoint, in your outlook that has go- made you go from such a vehement Ron Paul supporter to have a window sticker on your car? I, I don't have any Ron Paul stickers on my vehicle. Um, I do have a Ron Paul sign in my, my front yard. Uh, but what was it that uh, led you there? I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I did a lot of stuff for Ron Paul. Um, it's... Uh you know, I started off really active in it, and um, I guess I've always, uh, you know, for some time now, I've sort of had a basically a voluntarist philosophy, you know, like you. Um, and only recently, I've sort of, you know, talking to Russell and talking to other people, <laughs> other free staters. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it just came down to I just couldn't feel, I didn't feel like I could justify it anymore. Justify it really supporting Ron Paul or voting for Ron Paul? Any or kind both. of political action. It has nothing to do with Ron Paul, to be honest. It's just any sort of political action, particularly to get... To take it to uh, engage in the process of putting a person in power over other people, because that's the, that's what I have a problem with as a voluntarist. Understood. And so yeah, he's a great guy. I definitely like him better than the other candidates. I do not personally feel comfortable 
uh, being part of the process, putting a person into, into power over other people. Now we've distinguished it, and I was the one who made the statement as opposed to Ian, so I'm going to come out and sort of defend it a bit. The... Um the Free State Project is a project to move 20,000 liberty-loving individuals um, all to one state. Now, those liberty-loving individuals can uh, come in a category of uh, somebody like me, who's essentially a small government kind of uh, Republican Liberty Caucus kind of guy, or they can come like you, who's a voluntarist who essentially wants no government at all. Now, um, if those two groups uh, who want some very similar things... Um, expect to see likely if they expect to see any growth they'll need the help of the other ones especially um the you know the voluntarists those that want no government at all because there's so few of them now i must say that they're very active individuals but there's um you know a lot more people out there that want smaller smaller government it would seem like if we're both going in the similar directions that we would want to support each other rather than creating a schism um, well i don't want to create a schism i'm not actually calling to like try and change your mind no, and no. tell you to stop doing it because I, I think that's a really long argument that could take months. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I, I mean, those people's points of view about stuff like that don't change rapidly, I don't think. Right. But and, what I am calling to say is like, if you realize that, that these people feel, feel, you know, that it's a principle thing for them and if it's a morality thing for them, then I think you should, um, if as your friend, you know, supporting you in terms of like moral support and being, you know, being glad you're here and everything. That's me. I'm like, I'm glad you're here. Mm-hmm. I'm glad the political people are here. They're, you know, if nothing else, they're, you know, feeding in the energy of the liberty movement. You're not sabotaging really them. You're not uh, actively trying to harm what they're doing. No, no, I, I no. I heck, I drew a Ron Paul cartoon last night for error, you know, or for Michael for, you know, for his Ron Paul Christmas thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I did that for him. He did a favor for me. I did something for him. I mean, we're buddies. I'm glad he's here. He's political. I'm not at this point. I mean, that's a recent decision of mine. But, like, but, um, but I just think that, uh, you know, a lot of the schism comes from, I mean, it's a little bit in both directions. I think the impasse you end up at is the people who are political think that the people who are not active politically are apathetic and they're not doing anything. And then the people who are sort of apolitical and have, you know, think that the political people are engaging in something immoral, and sometimes they challenge them and, and you know, try and put them in a position of having to defend their actions and everything, and that's, you know, and then everyone gets defensive. You right, know? and like, I think hey, that this is, hey, I think I'm it's going to lead, you know? um, uh, Dale, I think it's going to lead to a, um, a, to a real schism. I think that that's, yeah. that it's coming to a head, because... I've got to say that um, you know there's been some actions done by the apolitical sorts out there, the voluntarist types, that I think are mm, maybe not the best thing for the Free State Project, like a bad PR move. Sure. And um, in order to get me to support those people, I would expect support in return. So if I don't see any support in return, and the support that I would want as a political sort is, hey, vote for my candidates, get out and hold some signs, um, you know, do do some stuff. If I don't see support in return, then I'm going to start saying, you know what, I'm not going to support these people who are not supporting me, and and it's going to go the opposite direction, Dale. Those people are going to say, well, I don't want I don't want you to necessarily support in my actions if I'm doing something that you think is like a bad PR move or something. I don't mm-hmm. expect you to come out and join me doing it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's essentially this, like, you, you shouldn't do that because you're going to affect our image. But what if it's I like, come out know, in the newspaper and, and I'm say... I'm not telling you don't do what you're doing. What I'm if I come out... Hold on, Dale. What if it, I come out know? in the newspaper and I say um, that these pe- that that guy there, Dale, who's doing this thing that, uh, that I don't like, does not represent the Free State Project. He is nothing about the Free State Project. The Free State Project is about... 
people like me. And then I, um, you know, begin to use media, and rather than well, I just, have, I would probably take issue with that. But you don't. Do you, are you seeing the apolitical types doing that? I, I, I don't. That you don't. That the political types don't represent the Free State Project. I don't. I don't, but I don't really understand why the thing that I'm willing to say in, um, in private, I should be willing to say in public. And if I get sure. to the feeling where, if I get to the point, and I'm not, where I feel like, um, you know, the the apoliticals are just, a, you know, in, in doing a bunch of stuff that isn't what I imagined the Free State Project was going to be about, I could very well say, you know, do something like that in the media, pack my crap and go home, you know, all kinds of different things. And I think that what's going to make the Free State Project work is people working together. I want to talk more about this. Hang on, Dale. I want to bring you back. I want to find out more because, I mean, you guys have been going back and forth. Toby and I have been kind of silent here. I want to find out more about... Dale's uh, change and why he's uh, gone like in the, the voluntarist direction so so uh, hardcore that he's now rejecting the process of voting. It's a fascinating conversation, and uh, I've always been interested by this. We'll hope, hopefully uh, hear from you as well at 800-259-9231. Is voting morally repugnant? Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, completely free. Enjoy them on us, uh, including the live streams. Broadband version, dial-up version, both for free at freetalklive.com. And the new Zero Blaster shoots smoke rings up to 12 feet with a blue LED light to light them up. You can get the Zero Blaster, a Mega Blaster, or a Mini Blaster. Get them at ZeroToys.com. That's ZeroToys.com. Great for Christmas. No doubt about it. Uh, for young and old, I think. But definitely young. That's fun stuff. I would have <laughs> loved to Zero Blaster. Loves it. As a kid, I can tell you, I have fun with it now. I would have had a blast as a kid. Mm. Zero Blaster. Anyway, ZeroToys.com. 800-259-9231. All right, we're talking about an issue that comes up from time to time on this show. And it apparently is really eliciting some uh, some emotional response in you, Mark, during the break. You were really kind of getting riled up. I'm going to ask that you just calm down for a moment I'm here. Not, I'm not upset with Dale or I, anything, but I, I am upset with the idea of not voting. Okay, and that's what the, I guess that's what the main issue I is like here. I like Dale. <laughs> uh, Dale's a great guy. In fact, we've got him on the line here uh, calling from New Hampshire. He is a Free State Project early mover. We've talked about the Free State Project a lot. It's a movement of liberty-loving people all moving to New Hampshire in order to get active for liberty. And what that means is, well, different things to different people. Uh, some people want to get active in the world of politics. Some people want to get active outside of the system. They want to do civil disobedience and other things that don't involve using the system or trying to, uh, you know, trying to take advantage of the system and that sort of thing. And um, on this show tonight, you've got Mark and myself, who are both um, early movers of the Free State Project. Mark more of a small government kind of a guy, me, a no government kind of guy. Then we've got Toby, a New Hampshire native who, uh, you know, lived here pretty much his entire life. Um, so he's sort of sitting here uh, absorbing all of this. And I definitely want to go to Toby and get his thoughts here. And then Dale's on the line as an early mover to the Free State Project, who was political, but has now shifted to uh, to being almost completely apolitical. And I just, you know, it's kind of an interesting discussion. There are lots of people from different viewpoints here. But Dale, as the person sitting in this in this room who is most likely to identify with your viewpoints, 
I would like to explore uh, where you where you currently are at today in your mind. Okay. You you at one time had a Ron Paul Revolution sticker on the back of your car. You were very active politically. Now you say you've had some conversations with some of the more outside the system people, and they've convinced you that voting is basically morally repugnant. Uh, you're essentially, I mean, the, the arguments against voting are that you know it's uh, you're uh, you're endorsing violence uh, because the system is inherently violent. You know, government is force, which of course I agree with. Government mm-hmm. is force, uh, but. As somebody who has taken a look at, me personally, I've taken a look at the idea of not voting anymore, and I've rejected it. And the reason I rejected it is because I don't see it as an endorsement of violence. I see it as a, uh, is simply a defensive move, because the uh, fact that's is... That's what I used to do. Okay. That, that what changed your mind? Well, I, I think what it came down to was, uh, I mean, at one point, you know, I do see the system as evil. I see actually the process as evil, because, you know, the whole ganging up. Uh, and imposing collective will on people is that's what the act of voting really is. And so, and it's particularly when you're putting in a leader and putting them in a position where they can start making decisions and impacting other people, mm-hmm. that's a really scary process to me. It's, 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 it's particularly the votes where you're in, putting someone in power that bother me. And I, you know, I started off thinking, well, the system's evil. Ron Paul is a wrench, and if the system's evil, any kind of wrench is a good thing. So, you know, that's sort of how I justified it. I mean, I was always justifying because I always knew it was, you know, I didn't care for the, the voting process. But I think it's just, I've, you know, I've really come to understand that the means is what I, have, what I take issue with. You know, how we solve problems is really at the root of libertarianism is that, you know, we believe you, charity is the only acceptable way to help the poor. No matter how bad the situation is, it's not right to use force, for instance. Mm-hmm. And so why are we sort of, you know... Well, all of a sudden, it's not the means doesn't matter anymore. I mean, that's really what it's all about, libertarianism. You know? Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, but the, the, the act of voting itself is not violent, nor is it inherently violent. Certainly the people that, in many cases, are running for election are absolutely people that are endorsing violence and willing to use violence on others. But there are exceptions. Uh, Ron Paul, he's you know, 98% a pure libertarian. Sure, he's not perfect on all of the issues, but as, on a national level, there's really pretty much zero chance sure. you're going to see anybody else like Ron Paul for at least for a little while. And so it's, it's kind of an unprecedented opportunity. You're not necessarily uh, endorsing violence by voting for Ron Paul. You're trying to reduce the amount of violence that's going to be enacted on people regardless of who gets into office. I mean, you do, under, you do agree that whether it's Ron Paul or Hillary Clinton or whoever it is that sure. ends up winning in 2008, the federal government will continue to propagate itself and continue to ruin people's lives. It's just the yeah. hope is that if Ron Paul gets elected, less lives will be ruined in total. And if you could be a part of helping that happen, why would you refuse to be a part in that? Because, uh, the, well, you know, that's just it. I do like Ron Paul, I mean, out of all the people out there. I can't personally play a part in it. It's like, you know, sure, I know that someone's going to be elected president, and it would be great if it's Ron Paul. I'll, you know, I can see rooting from the sidelines, you know, be, you know, since I know something's going to happen, I don't want to get blood on my hands. You know, the, thought, the thing is, if I'm speaking out against that process, how hypocrit- first of all, how hypocritical does it look of me to then, to then vote and be part of the process? But it's, like you, it's also like you said, Ron Paul isn't going to be the perfect candidate. He's not an anarchist. He's a constitutionalist. Mm-hmm. I'm not a constitutionalist. I don't think you can write down special rules where some people get to use aggressive force and then you know, make exceptions like that. And so I don't agree with him wholeheartedly. I know he's going to do things. He wants to build a fence. I know that he's, uh, you know, he's not going to destroy. He's already said he's not going to try and dismantle you know, some of these welfare programs where people have become dependent, become dependent and things like that. 
but he's 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 far from perfect. He certainly sure. Well, he has to say those things to get elected. You know, he has to say well, things yeah. like that to, to to help people understand that he's not a heartless, cold know, bastard that's, that's going to throw people out in the street. Those kinds of compromises are how we got to where we are today. I mean, you, you know, that's that's the nature of the process. In order to win, the game is dirty, and in order to win the game, you have to play dirty. And without a doubt, he's playing. He's he's so much more trustworthy than anybody else in the field. Now, Dale, how that, do you, but, you know, uh, how do you still, respond to the idea that not voting, though, is wholly ineffective? I mean, most Americans... I don't agree with that. The majority of Americans have boycotted the vote uh, for, for years and years. As long as I've been alive, the majority of Americans just don't vote. And if, if you do get a majority, I've heard that uh, in the 2004 election, there was a majority of Americans that actually did vote. Here in Keene this year, uh, approximately 80% of the people didn't vote. They boycotted the vote, I just haven't... like you're boycotting the vote. And what have they gotten out of it? Whatever government that, that they feel like seen... shoving down our throats. I haven't seen it. Any... Nothing's convinced me that voting has accomplished much of anything. And you know, certainly not on any big scale. I mean, government's been growing dramatically for decades and decades and decades with lots of people voting. And so I don't really see how it's changed things anyway. So I don't. Well, I don't that's really that's just not that's just not correct. Not Ronald voting. Reagan um, got into government and he got rid of the 90 percent tax bracket. So if you're saying that um, voting doesn't accomplish anything, then you're not simply not looking at history. Well, Ronald Reagan also dramatically increased the size of government. Uh, look, I'm not yeah. saying that the guy was perfect, but he did do away with something that was bad. He did away with um, some big how government you know, programs. How do you know things wouldn't have been? You know, better in some ways, worse in other ways with the other candidate. You have no idea. Walter Mondale? Uh, who knows? Uh, I, mean, I, I, I can like tell you that um, a four no more years of Jimmy it, Carter it, likely could have uh, j- dumped us into a, uh, a, a depression worse than uh, the 30s. And you can it, definitely it have, but you don't know that for sure. I, I don't know anything for sure, but I do know no. that if I stand by that, that I see voting uh, as in- intervention to prevent violence. Um, and by getting in there and preventing violence, it's like to me, it's like standing by in a street corner, watching someone get their throat slit, and standing by and saying, well, I'm a pacifist. I can't get involved. No, I'm not involved, willing to do not that. Doing what you want, what you're choosing to do about it. Well, because I don't approve of what you're doing. But, but I, look, I wouldn't I'm hold a sign to, and said, "Please again, don't slit that lady's throat." You, but I'm telling you, respect my decision not to do it for my moral reasons. Okay, but you see, know, this that, is this is where that's I, how we're going to avoid a schism. It's like, look, do what you're going to do. If you feel good about it in your conscience, then do it. But it's I, not good in my conscience, and don't and don't tell me that it's you know. If it's going to create a schism, it's because the, the political type is going to be constantly saying that we don't care about things and we're apathetic and we're not doing anything when we're just choosing to do different things about it. While you know, and then the, and then and if and it, meanwhile, if the apolitical types are constantly harping and preaching on the uh, on the political types to stop doing it, then I can see that you know annoying the crap out of you guys. If we're going to not have a schism, we need to at least respect each other's positions, and you know we can keep doing what we're doing and be supportive of each other. We've got people that are on the line that want to talk to you, Dale. Hang on. We're going to let them talk okay. to you in a moment here. 800-259-9231. Toby was trying to get a point in edgewise. We'll get to that, too. Toby has got some thoughts. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Can we all get along? This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call if you make it now at 800-259-9231. It's equals CAI toll-free line 1-800-259-9231. Like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then become an amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. Stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. 
And if you want to help us spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible, and you just want to get Free Talk Live on more radio stations, want to help us out with that, send three bucks a month in. You can do it at amp.freetalklive.com. And you get perks like access to the amp-only call-in lines, amp-only chat room, and more. Uh, All the details are at amp.freetalklive.com. We are in a heated debate uh, between those who are who would like to call themselves perhaps uh, voluntarists or market anarchists, uh, people who um, don't participate in the system whatsoever. Though, to be fair, there are some voluntarists and market anarchists, uh, free marketeers, that do participate in the system. I would be one of them. Uh, and the reason I have decided that it's it's okay to participate in the system is because... Well, the system's going to perpetuate itself whether or not you participate. Um, in fact, if you look at the you know if you look at the numbers in a local election, in many cases, the people who turn out to vote are the bureaucrats. Yeah, that's many- all it takes for a school board or for a small election. All it takes is the the teachers and the bureaucrats that work there to come out and vote. And guess what? We have bigger government. Yeah. So election after election, more big government people get elected. And I, I'd like to know what exactly it is that those who are completely against voting are planning on doing to actually change the country. And we have Dale on the line, who is uh, relatively, I guess, new to the world of uh, he's recently chosen to not vote nor to support any candidate overtly necessarily. And um, Dale, how do you how do you answer that question? Then I'll let Toby make uh, make a point. Well- I think that, well, there's lots of things that you can do to to uh, fight the system. I mean, part of it is you know changing you know changing the attitudes of those people who are choosing to engage in this process that I do not approve, the process I do not approve of. Uh, you know, to some extent, you can persuade them that what they're doing is wrong, and I think that's the kind of thing that Lauren was trying to do and say, look, you are violent people, and she's trying to bring them make them aware of that. And you know, these people that you think are protecting you are in fact inflicting violence on innocent people. And that's what you know she's trying to convey. And even though people are, you know, they're making, they may, they may, they're certainly not going to just immediately accept it at face value. But that doesn't, that, that doesn't mean she hasn't affected them in some way, and and introduced concepts into their mind that they will now have to contemplate and that might create cognitive dissonance. I'm not and, saying there, I'm you know, not saying I'm there isn't media, anything. You know, I'm not saying there's nothing valuable about what you guys do. I support absolutely support the path of civil disobedience i think there's there's something supremely valuable about that but to say that uh you know a, a large amount of civil disobedience is all of a sudden going to make those who get their paychecks funded funded uh, through the coercive government process all of a sudden give up those paychecks and give up their pensions i don't know if that's actually going to occur they're the ones that keep going out and voting they're the ones that are propagating the system and after all they should they're the ones that benefit from it but that kind of tyranny takes a lot of cooperation and maintenance from the general population. And I think it just takes, it doesn't even take a majority, I don't think. It just takes a significant chunk of people that don't just go along with it and support it. It starts to become cumbersome to be that tyrannical. Do you believe that, that voting is, you know, is, do you believe that voting is essentially supporting the system? Yeah, I think, it, I mean, in, in, in some way, without a, I mean, you can certainly speak out and say, well, I'm voting, so but I don't really approve of it. But, you know, ultimately, the, the thing is, to me, is I really ultimately do not ha- – no one has convinced me that voting really is going to ultimately make a difference in the big scheme of things. Here and in so, Keene, uh, you know, a few moments, a few weeks ago, my girlfriend Julia ran for city council. She lost by approximately 500 votes. And so, you know, votes, you know, they did count. She could have won the election had there been 500 people that were motivated enough to actually come out and vote for her. Do you think that the city of Keene is better or worse off because she lost the election? 
uh, in the short term, it's probably a little bit worse off. But, okay. See, but I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, how much, how much would she have been able to accomplish? I don't know. Not I mean, much. That's, that's not where much. my main question uh, you know, and, comes and, in. And then, at least in her case, she does. She 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 states herself as an anarchist. Dale, so you know, when like, when do you want more freedom and less government? Uh, I want it as soon as possible, and I don't think voting's going to get it. So you don't think that the the faster track, if you were given a faster track, if you knew that voting would be a faster track to freedom, would you vote? Uh, Would you shoot someone if it would get us freedom faster? I'd shoot him if he was um, committing violence against somebody else. I'd pop him right in the damn eye. Well, that's that would be a defensive act of force. I see. Right, that's that's what I propose voting is, Dale. We have, we have, and here's but, another but thing, just, Dale, about no, the support issue. Um, about the support issue, the I have to keep my I keep my mouth shut a little bit about um, you know some of the, uh, the 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 stranger activities that go on from the apolitical types. That's an action on my part, um, and in, in and I do that in support of them because we're all here together. What do they do to support me? What what do you expect them to do? Vote. You 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 want them to vote? Yes. Okay. So the only way I can say that you're supporting, you know, I, you know, the the support I, you know, the support I want from you in terms of supporting the civil disobedience sites is not to just, you know, just just talk bad about them and to, you know, and just sort of like, uh, you know, try to claim that they're not real free staters or whatever. I mean. You know, I'm not, I'm not asking you to participate in it. I'm, I'm not, not asking saying, you to hold. I'm not, a, I'm not asking you to go out and hold a sign or, or donate money to the Ron Paul either. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying a vote. A lot of people are. A lot of people. Well, even that. I mean, but a lot. You know, people are pressuring. You know, pressuring me to, to donate money. They're pressuring me to vote and everything. But but the point is, I'm not saying I'm not going to put you down for not participating in what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> it's know? the participation portion uh, that 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 um you know is is kind of confusing here. I'm committing an action by not getting not saying something about what. What it is that you're doing? I mean, I mean like getting on your TV show or something. Right. I, I can very well get on. Could have very well got on my local TV show. I could get on this radio show. I could say that um, you know that that the, some of the civil disobedience stuff that I've heard about here in New Hampshire that I don't support. I could talk about it. Um, that's. I, I don't think that it, it necessarily equates. Um, I mean, essentially, what your position is. Um, leave me alone, and if you don't like what I'm doing, um, you, you know you have to support me by uh, not talking bad about me. And well, if you don't no, like what I'm doing, I, I, no, you can no, kiss you my know, butt. Of course, you can talk bad about. It. I mean, and, if you really honestly, you know, really honestly think it's it's going it's to do damage to PR or whatever, you know. But the same thing too is you can I'm not sure. yourself. I'm not you know, sure said, that it's going to do any damage to, the, um, to to PR in the same way that you're not sure that your mm-hmm. vote is going to make any difference. But right. I, I do know, well, but do I do consider a lot of these people to be my friends. Think about this. I'm not going to convince you that it's immoral to vote. I realize that. Certainly not. Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, so, but th- how about this? Do you accept that I think it's immoral to vote? I think you do, and I think you are mistaken. Okay. And they think I'm mistaken. And so, I think, but, and I think that it's, um, you know, like there's, there's, there's problems with your mistake in in not supporting me. Um, you see, that's the tactic that, that bothers me. Is mm-hmm. that oh, now I don't support you, or you know, because I'm not doing the exact same thing you're doing. But I don't do want you, to engage in the activity you're doing. To me, it is immoral. That's right. my and, viewpoint. I haven't convinced you of that. I realize that. I probably won't. No, but absolutely I, you won't. But you, you know, the, the, the supportive thing you could do is accept that 
you're, you're, you know, except that you're asking me to do something that I consider to be immoral. I think and, that the, and, the and, non-state and just, types have gotten a lot of support from the state types um, here in, you know, the Free State Project members here in New Hampshire, and I think that they don't I think that's give generaliza- it. I think that's a generalization. I think there have been plenty yeah. of uh, pro-state people that have been very, that have been very vitriolic towards the, uh, on, the anti-state people on on uh, Free Stater message boards, but not out um, in the open. Well, they don't have anywhere in the open to do it. Why not? You don't. You don't think that a local newspaper um, could, you know, that would would print a story if I said I am a free stater and I don't agree with what these free staters are you doing? Could, you could write they, a letter to the editor. It's probably not going to generate a story. Probably it, it might very well. Dale, I want to go to the phones here. Matt's been hanging on patiently. Matt in Illinois, you're on with Dale. Hello. Hey, you guys went in another direction. I just wanted to say to Dale. I mean, actually, Mark kind of touched on this, but. Um, I guess I feel that voting, as as you're talking about it, is kind of a self-defense measure. And I'm talking self-defense on a very personal level, because I feel that yeah, some of these people that are running for office right now at a federal level are very dangerous and could actually end up throwing people like you and like me, who wish, who wish to have a free voice and to express that free voice in places that we don't want to be. Uh, it, it, and by voting for Ron Paul, and, and right now only Ron Paul, actually Kuchinik too, but by voting for Ron Paul, I actually feel that I am exercising a bit of self-preservation. Matt, thank you for the call. Dale, any th- uh, thoughts on that? Uh, I'm curious. Actually, I'm curious. Some of the people who said who are really, really gung ho about Ron Paul, which I understand. Like I said, I was there pretty recently myself and doing my own little justifications to to feel feel okay about it. But the people who are voting for Ron Paul, are you going to vote if he doesn't win the primary? Oh, vote in the main election. Yeah. I'll probably go out and um, I will vote, and I'll vote for uh, the Libertarian. Uh, as will I. I will vote for the Libertarian as well. I won't vote for s- somebody who's um, more than what I would consider 51% evil. Dale, we're out of time, my friend. Good conversation. Thank you for the call. You know, uh, the com- uh, the conflict continues. I will continue to play mediator here because I see both sides, I understand both sides, and I want both sides to work together and get along. I hope that we can in the future. This is Free Talk Live. See you tomorrow night. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.